here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. I want to. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Krejci alongside, finally, once again, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how was the suspension? I don't know. Do you think I've served my punishments for long enough? Uh, it's been about 90 days. It's 89, to be fair. Uh, I let you off one day early, but that's all right. The, the people have spoken. They've wanted you, so 89 days is, I think, enough punishment for you. You've learned your I, lesson. You've absolutely I, learned your lesson. So, What was I suspended for? I, you tell me. You know. I'm not the one that banned myself from the show. You gotta, you gotta explain to me why I was. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. There was uh, people that were like, "Well, he can't possibly be working this much." Oh, he can't. What was he? Yeah, he's got to be suspended or something. Yeah, I was like, "Why would? Why would I suspend Joe? Like, in what? In what universe would like? What would you have said in the last like month that would be any worse than what you've said in the past five years? You know what I mean? Like, like what would it possibly be where I was like, "Now I've put my foot down, Joe. You, you, I've had enough of your behavior." This is enough. <laughs> like, you must be punished. So, what makes me so terrible anyway that that I would uh, say something that? That's would what I mean. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Just because I'm a uh, outspoken gentleman and I <laughs> say things uh, the way I see them, um, I, I suppose I should explain it to everybody. I mean, um, just to quell rumors and I, I guess I guess some of the listeners deserve an explanation right right it's drug rehab is what you're really trying to say and you, you don't really want to go out and do it but it's it's fine it's okay we're here well see now people are going to believe that <laughs> that's that's going to make the rounds that I was indeed in drug rehab uh, no I, I uh, legitimately was um, and still am really I have, <laughs> I have like I have like three free hours in my life and I'm doing this so uh uh, to, to show the people my uh, dedication to, to my craft. Um, no, I have been extremely busy with work. Um, I, I took on a new job a couple months ago, and um, it's it's we're, we're getting a uh, a new restaurant franchise off the ground. Um, obviously, I'm not going to say the name, um, but uh, and it's my job to help get these uh, these new restaurants uh, up and running. Um, as the director of operations and there was one restaurant where I had to clean out the entire management staff, uh, one week into the thing. So (laughs) that's not ideal. Not ideal. Well, I mean, they were, they were, 
How does that possibly happen? Like, how does I, I can tell you how that happened. Happen? They yeah. were they were totally incompetent, and they all needed to be fired. So, I mean, I mean, I know that sounds you know, I know that sounds harsh, but uh, it is just the reality of the situation. So, um, that's pretty bad to be like deemed completely incompetent as a manager, like a weekend to something. I mean, I can get into specifics, but no, please um, don't. But yeah, that's that really. That takes a lot of effort. I feel like it was. It, there were things that were more than just uh, you know uh, you're not getting the job done. These were serious transgressions, and uh, these people all had to go. Um, so basically, I've been stuck in that restaurant every day of my life from um, eight o'clock in the morning until most nights, well past midnight, every day. Um, I haven't had a day off legitimately. I haven't had a day off completely from work since I'm looking at my calendar. Now I probably haven't had a day where I haven't had to go to work since, I don't know, the end of April, um, maybe the last week of April, something like that. So, um, the end of April, all of May, uh, all and all of June now, um, just every day, 8am till <laughs> past midnight. Then I come home, I sleep. I wake up and I do it all over again. And like um, after this, you have to go back too, right? Like just to I'm going back know, to work. Yeah. I'm going back to work after we record this podcast. <laughs> and your phone has been blowing up the entire time as we've been. My f- we, yeah, my yeah, my phone. I had I just muted it, but I I've gotten seven text messages since we started <laughs> this recording. Um, I would run away if I were you. Just like run away and never come back. But it's just a shit show. But I have to do it. <laughs> Um, you know, mortgages have to be paid and bills have to be paid and dogs have to be fed. Um, are the dogs and, being fed if you're never home? Like, who's, is somebody coming and taking care of those pups? Oh, it's a major problem. Um, because I'll take them, I'll take them on, send them over to me. I mean, all, all, all kidding aside, that's I, I feel an enormous amount of guilt towards these animals. I, I, I have gotten some people to help me out, but I mean, they're just always alone. I, I come home, this is my routine, I come home at about 12 30, 1 o'clock. I clean up several piles of shit. Um, then I fall asleep in my clothes. You're gonna get One arrested by like animal services. You, you better not. <laughs> you better not get too wild here with this uh, description because this, this could turn out bad. But one night, <laughs> one night I came home and um, I, I just I was so exhausted. I sat on the couch, and then uh, the next thing I knew, I was waking up at like six thirty in the morning, still sitting on the couch in my clothes from the night before. I just. <laughs> I fell asleep, I guess, in like eight seconds uh, from when I sat down and I just woke up. And then um, at that point, I had to go again. So I just got up and grabbed my keys and went back to work. I didn't even take a shower. I just said, right, well, I, I got to go. So uh, so that was that. But, yeah, it's been utterly ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm just physically and mentally exhausted. I've watched um, – what was the <laughs> – what was the uh, – what was the WWE pay-per-view before uh, Extreme Rules, which I've tr- – but which, by the way, I've backlash, tried – Backlash, right? Is it Backlash? backlash. Oh, my God. <laughs> backlash is the only bit of wrestling that I've seen uh, until Dominion in between Best of the Super Juniors Night 2 and Dominion. The only thing I've watched wrestling, period, is is uh, is Backlash, and I've – I've tried to watch Extreme Rules for like five nights in a row because I need to write the Fighting Spirit magazine review, and Brian Elliott is going to fly to Texas and murder me if I don't write that in like the next three nights. But every time I try to watch Extreme Rules, 
I fall asleep during the first match. I, I can't even get past the first match. Are you are you pre- a pre-show first match or, or opener first match? I don't I don't include the pre-show in my in my reviews for okay. magazines. So it's it's uh you know, whatever the opener is on that show. I keep falling asleep. Um so I've I've seen no wrestling since day two of Best of Super Juniors, aside from uh, uh, Backlash. The, Miz, the first minute of the Miz and Dean Ambrose. And then, yeah. yeah. The first minute of Miz and Dean Ambrose, uh, Backlash, and, and now Dominion. I know nothing of anything that's going on. <laughs> um, but I watched Good advertisement the- for the show. Good advertisement for the show coming up. So. Well, I mean, that. listen, that's why, I mean, forget it. Forget about the fact I don't have time to record a show, but I wouldn't do one even if I could anyway because I don't. I haven't seen anything. Right, and people kind of forget that we get a lot of people that are like, "Oh, you, you can you can do a minute." Or people don't realize that, and and we mention this all the time when we do the show is that we don't want to come on here and just bullshit about like things that we don't know about. I mean, we could we could do that if we wanted to, but that's that's that we don't want to do that. That's never what we've been. So people think, yeah, you get on here, you know, you talk for a few hours or whatever. Oh, that's easy, but. It's the time watching all this stuff and trying to watch everything, trying to watch Japan, trying to watch indies, trying to watch WWE, trying to watch, you know, you know, that's the hard part. It, it's not necessarily coming out here and talking for two or three hours. That, that's easy. We can do that. It, it's, it's catching up with stuff and feeling like you're an expert enough to get on here and talk about this stuff and, and do it in a way that we want to do. We've always been the expert show. We're not just the guys kind of jacking around. We want to be the guys that really get deep into this, really dive deep. In, and you can't do that all the time when you don't have the time to watch this stuff. So it's not... It's not, you probably had two hours, you know, here or there over the past few weeks to record, but what would I talk about with you? You know, hey, Joe, did you watch anything? No. All right, cool. Like, yeah, let me and talk then, about something and you don't say anything. Like, that, that's not fun. Nobody wants to hear that. We faked our way through a, a, a listener question call like three weeks ago or something. Because yes, I, that was absolutely the Joe hasn't watched anything. Let's just like bullshit around for three, which was fine, but we can't do that every single week. So, yeah. So, um, but I did watch Dominion, so we're going to talk a lot about yes. that, I think. Um, and, and that's about it, because I haven't seen anything else. Um, but yeah, so that's where I've been. Um, <laughs> I'm not in drug rehab. I am not uh, suspended. That'd be, that sounds much funner. Like, drug rehab and suspended sounds much funner than, than or more, more enjoyable than what you're doing. Cause... We're, uh, we're getting along. Uh, it's, me and Rich are not uh, uh, at odds. Um, well, I, I don't know about that, but. I just, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that. I mean, we're always at odds. I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I know it it's sounds. Un- we should have came up with a different story, a little, a different backstory for you. Because, like, I'm at my job and it's busy. Isn't you know, it's not sexy. No, it's not sexy at all. And you know, people, people want something sexier. <laughs> um, but uh, we're nothing I, on the show if not sexy. So I think I'm sexy enough, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, your voice, the, the the decrepit sound of your voice, right? Because you're like so tired. I, I can hear I, you. Like you're not the same voice. It's like you're just. I can feel your soul is missing. It's just like you're dead inside. I haven't had a soul in weeks. <laughs> I just. I'm, I'm just a zombie. I just. I, I. I have no. I'm dead behind the eyes. I just. Uh, you know. I'm just wandering through. I. I fell asleep before we were supposed to do this. I mean. You had to set up for you know whatever time, and I, I was twenty minutes late because I, f- I fell asleep, uh, you know. So I don't know, but uh, you know I got to bring energy here. We, we you know we got to do this Dominion. Absolutely, uh, we got it. We got a lot of good stuff. Ever going to be on this show again? So I, <laughs> this could be it. So we got to we got to make sure this, last uh, one. this one counts. But uh, uh, before we get into Dominion, Joe, th- this I'm glad this is our sponsor this week because I imagine with you not being home, you probably have like a Howard Hughes beard going. 
Okay. Right now. So that's the other thing. I have shaved once in the last. <laughs> See, so this is so perfect, Joe. I'm going to tell you about a little deal that you can get. So if you ever come home, you can. This package will be at your door, and you'll be ready to shave at that moment. Because guys, it is time to step up your routine with an incredible game-changing shave from our good friends at Dollar Shave Club. They have helped me look and feel my best, and hopefully they'll make Joe look and feel his best because he is a decrepit, decrepit man with large beard right now. Uh, I just want to shave, Rich. It's all. (laughs) All I want to do is take a hot shower, shave my fucking face, and sleep. It's is that what, is that what you referred to? Because when you told me that, like, because we're trying out a new certain, and, and it was supposed to be a webcam, is that why you said I'm in for a surprise? Okay, it's so... this, like, big, burly, like, grizzly beard now going? Yeah, Rich is using a new recording method, which was requiring a webcam, and that would have been a gigantic mistake, because I am, in fact, naked right now. <laughs> I, I peeled all of my uh, work clothes off and left them in a pile at the door because I just, I'm disgusted and tired of wearing... Uh, the same clothes every day. Uh, I have not shaved in weeks. Rich, I look I look like a homeless person. I look terrible. Uh, I have gigantic bags under my eyes. Um, I'm an absolute shit show. I haven't had a haircut in seven weeks because I don't have time to go get a haircut. Um, you know, I even called Ashley and let her know. I said, look, I'm not dead. I just haven't had time to come get a haircut, but I'm going to come in there soon. I've got I, Rich. I'm just I'm just a disaster. So if the webcam would have been turned on, you would have thought that some uh, vagabond had broken into my home, murdered necro, me. Necro butcher had come on, and <laughs> that's right. That'd be fine. I'll talk to Necro for for a few hours. Right, and that you'd you'd be doing the show with with you know with some sort of a squatter who had taken over my home, which wouldn't be too difficult because I I'm you know I'm I'm at work like 18 hours a day and I'm at home for like six and I'm sleeping for five of them. So, you know, it did, if, if you're looking for somewhere to squat, you know, my, my place would, would be pretty <laughs> ideal. You only have to sneak away between like 2 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the morning, and I would never know you're here. I mean, honestly, you could probably just hide out in one of the other, you know, spare rooms or something. <laughs> you probably don't go in that many rooms anymore. Yeah, you probably only go in like two rooms these days. So, Rich, I used like three rooms previously. <laughs> now I'm using like one room. I, ha- I think I've slept in my bed like twice this entire time because I just fall asleep on the couch, you know, with animals on top of me, with the dogs on top of me. I, you know, this is my life now, but, uh, let tell everybody about Dollar Shave Club. Yes. Well, I want you to do it too. Cause you want to look and feel your best without paying an arm and a leg and they can do the same. Join the Dollar Shave Club. They deliver an amazing smooth shave every single time. Get high quality blades and the amazing shave butter delivered right to your door for an incredible smooth shave. Upgrade both your shave and your bathroom with Dollar Shave Club. Uh, with Father's Day right around the corner, what better gift is there to give than a membership to Dollar Shave Club for a limited time only? New members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, your razors are just a few bucks per month. That's a $15 value for only $5. In your first month box, you get a weighty handle, a full cassette of four executive cartridges, and a tube of the aforementioned Dr. Carver Shave Butter. All of that. Get that entire offer by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. And Joe, I want I, I will just do that for you because I, I know how desperately you need it. And uh, so I will do that. Dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Get you that weighty handle, that focus set, and that shea butter. You need it because you need that shea butter to get through that big beard. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that hooked up for you for sure. So again, dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. And we appreciate them sponsoring this show. All right, Joe. So other than a minute of, of Miz and Ambrose 
and other than backlash which i i that seems so far ago that i forgot that i like had a chance to go to bed that, that it was in chicago because that was so long ago that i forget that like takeover was the day before but you have seen dominion though show from top to bottom you've seen everything yes we're ready okay we're ready to go then then we're gonna talk some damn dominion because i know you're pumped up about the show i was pumped up about the show uh Right off the bat, before we kind of get into the big details, uh, overall macro thoughts about the show, because I thought when it was all said and done, sitting down, I watched it in a few different parts, uh, you know, in total, this is a show with your contender, right? Yeah, I think that um, it, it's one of the better shows of the year for sure. I, I, I'm i not in the camp that it was better than Wrestle Kingdom. I don't think it was better than Wrestle Kingdom. Um, you know, the, the funny thing is, this is basically – this was all rematches. For it, was, it was Wrestle Kingdom, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, but the thing was, I thought that um, uh, you know, three out of the five, I guess you would say, rematches. If you're going to count Goto and Suzuki as the comp to Goto and Shibata from Wrestle Kingdom, were better uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, uh, so I, I mean, I, and, and the undercards were comparable. I mean, I, I you know they were both easy to watch. Uh, easy digestible undercard even even the undercards are similar because at wrestle kingdom you had that i guess uh what was there a gauntlet for the never six-man titles or a three-way match or whatever it was and then this mm-hmm. this show had you know this thousand man never six-man tag team title match even that was a, a solid comp to wrestle kingdom very similar shows uh, i don't think that uh th- this show was very good probably the second best show of the year but i don't I don't think it was better than Wrestle Kingdom, though. No. Fair. Um, I, I kind of agree, too, because I, I think the one, as you mentioned, the one comp there of, like, the Goto Shibata versus the Goto Suzuki, and, and we'll talk about it a little bit, I think that that kind of puts it a little bit more in the camp of Wrestle Kingdom, in my mind, even though I did both, I enjoyed the big top, top matches, but I thought Wrestle Kingdom, there was just a little bit more on pretty much all those matches, and then the, the Goto Shibata was uh, very much better than than go to Suzuki, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, stuff I want to talk about first before we get uh, into the card and kind of break it down: the attendance of this show, which has kind of been an unreported story here, eleven thousand seven hundred and fifty-six. So that number, in case you you don't really follow attendance all that much, that eclipsed the best that the Dominion show has ever had, and the best that they've had from Osaka, from Osaka Joe Hall in quite some time. Because that was 2015. If you remember, it was the AJ Styles-Okada match, and that had 11,400. And that that was a huge show. And we talked about that at the time of, oh, my God, like, look at look at what Styles can do. You know, look at the type of draw he was. Because they were not doing those numbers uh, consistently in Osaka Joe Hall. They weren't really running Osaka Joe Hall a lot of times. Uh, then we saw the next year they fell a little bit. Um it down, you, you know, I don't, uh, I don't have the number in front of me, but I know it was not, you know, I, I don't believe it was uh, five digits. I think it was in the nine thousand range or whatever. Well, we're back over to eleven thousand, and we're even above that. You know, not obviously seven fifty six compared to four hundred over the AJ Styles Okada, but you, I, I got to imagine that's a huge win for for New Japan to go to Osaka Joe Hall and have pretty much their best attendance that they've had in quite some time. And and really quickly before before I get to you. Um, this is actually the uh, I'm looking at the numbers here, and this is uh, Evan Deadly Sins, who, who's great on our forums as well, voicewrestling.com slash forums, and also uh, a great Twitter follow. I was doing a lot of good work in logging New Japan attendance, and, and he's been doing it since April 2015. And this show, this Dominion show, was the highest non Russell Kingdom number since Evan started logging. That was in April 2015. You have Russell Kingdom 11 was the highest. Uh, right after that, Russell Kingdom 10, and then right after that, third is Dominion 611 as the third highest drawing non you know or the third highest drawing show altogether and the the top 
non-Wrestle Kingdom show to draw for New Japan in quite some time. Joe, what do you make of that? I think um, you know, New Japan's having its best business year yet in the Kidani era. All of the major shows are selling out. Okada is just having, you know, forget in the ring. We'll get to that. But 2017 is Okada's year. I mean, I, he he realistically, he should run away with every award there is. I mean, um, you know, if, if, if you're talking about Observer Awards, um, I don't see anyone. I mean, I, I can't even fathom an argument for anybody else right now for the Flair Thez Award. I mean, who's even close to this guy when you consider the match quality, his match output, and the fact that every single time this guy main events a show, it sells out and it sells out in advance. I mean, you know, this guy is the definition of the Flair Thez winner. Um, in terms of the uh, you know uh, wrestler of the year, straight bell to bell, uh, that sort of thing. I mean, I don't think anybody can touch him. And if um, if MMA wasn't mixed in with with your uh, you know best major draw sort of awards when it came to the Observer Awards, he should win that too. I mean, uh, you know, you can't do any better than selling out every show you headline. I mean, you just there's there's nothing else the man can do. Um, this is going to go down. You know, you know one one thing we've talked about on this show for years is you know uh, uh, landmark years in, in wrestlers' careers, whether it's you know 1989 Ric Flair or um, you know uh, whatever the case may be. Pick your great year that any wrestler had. I mean, 2017 is Kazuchika Okada's year in terms of um, you know a, a just just a landmark year for him. And what's what's amazing is it's June. It's June 13th. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even, and that's the thing, you know, normally when it comes to New Japan wrestlers or New Japan as a whole, you really can't gauge anything until the G1 is over. And this guy has an entire G1 in front of him. He's got the Long Beach shows in front of him. He's got King of Pro Wrestling and Power Struggle and all of those shows uh, still in front of him. Um, and, And he's already put together... Uh, you know, in, in in six months, in less than six months, he has already put together just a legendary all time year in professional wrestling. Um, in in terms of um, you know, both in ring and 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 what he's done, um, in terms of drawing fans. I mean, he's just and 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 really, you you want to talk about underreported stories? I mean, yeah, you know, this show uh, drawing as many fans as it did and selling out so far in advance. Um, that is a story that I think is underreported. But what I also think is underreported. I really don't think Okada, as much credit as he does get, is getting enough credit for the year he's having. I mean, this this is incredible stuff we're witnessing, and this is uh, you look, I, to, you know, he 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 hasn't been a major award winner yet in his career. I mean, we we know that his push started in 2012, and he's been um, you know in the mix and a top line player and a and a superstar. But this is really. We're going to look back in 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years at 2017 as being the year where he he went from being a superstar to an absolute megastar. Um, this is really, um, you know, it, it can't be overstated what's happening with this guy right now in this place and time. And oh, by the way, he's not even 30 years old. Um, you know, I, I made this point on Twitter, but he is he is all set barring injury to just blow away the career of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Because if you look at them, uh, at, at, at you look at Tanahashi's career up to, how old is Okada, 28 or 29? Uh, Okada, I believe, is 29. Let, let me confirm that, though. I know he had, he just had a birthday pretty recently, if I remember correctly. 
Oh, no, it was in November. He had a birthday. So he's 29 right now, so he'll be 30 in, in November. Right. So you, you look at Tanahashi's career through age 29, and you look at Okada's career through age 29. Rich, it's not even close. You can Rich, look at a lot of wrestlers. I mean, close. to be honest, like, and we talk about this all the time. I mean, look at a lot of wrestlers at age 29. You have very few guys that before 30 can do what Okada has done and, and, and rack up the accolades that Okada has racked up and it, it rack up all. I mean, you're looking at guys like the rock is, is one that, you know, obviously sticks out and, and WWE's done a little bit better of a job in, in recent years of, of those guys. But I mean, that's, you don't really have that many cops of guys like under 30 being as good as they are and, and having these legendary careers under 30. And that's, that's really, really hard to do. It just doesn't happen very much. He's had um, an amazing five year run but the last year in particular, and really it started with the G1 last year, um, where he has just taken off um, both in the ring. And, and, and look, everything he headlines is, 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 is selling out now. And that's the other part of this. Um, but this has been his year. And yeah, you're right. It's only June. But I don't think there's anything another wrestler can do to surpass this guy. I mean, he, he really should win every award there is to win. And, and we're talking about this. It's not November. OK, but he's done so much already. And it's it's I who's even close to he's him. Lapping, he's lapping in the field right now. And, and like he's, he's lapping. Only gonna, the field. I mean, and it's not like he's going to stop today and just go, ah, yeah, whatever. I'm, he's going to deliver in G1. He's going to have some great shows there. And then, you know, might have the title through the rest of the year and, and maybe wrestle. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's insane what he's still going to be able to do for the rest of the year, too, because that's that's what we're kind of saying here is that, you know, right now he's so far ahead of the pack and it's like he's not going to stop like barring injury. He's going to only add to that resume, and he's already so far ahead of everybody else that, that it's not even close. Who who would who would be second for like a Flair Fest? I I legit don't have an option for you because you look you, naturally yeah. you're looking at WWE and New Japan for that award, right? I mean, sure, yeah, right. You could talk about your your Fred Yehais or your Kento Miyaharas, but let's let's get in the real world here, okay? When you're talking about that award, you're talking about WWE, you're talking about New Japan. Who is it? Who else is there? I mean, yeah, nobody jumps out in WWE, really. Um, no one jumps off the page. I mean, it's it's you know Roman Reigns is not having that kind of year. Um, you know Brock Lesnar is not having that kind of year. Yeah, they really haven't had one like central guy that's really risen above. Like like if John I told Cena you, Cena is not having that kind. Yeah, of year. like if I told you who who's been the wrestler just. With, with, Award aside, like just if I said, "Hey, who's what, who's the wrestler of the year of WWE in 2017?" Can't you, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I could give you like seven different potential people, it, it's but it's not like last year. Where, above the pack. Yeah, you're right. It's not like last year where AJ Styles just jumped off the page, and it's it's there isn't one. And then you look in Okada's own company, and look, Naito is not having that kind of year. Um, it, it's it's Tanahashi has been, um. You know, obviously, since you know this is the year where he sort of uh, they've they've sort of knocked him down a half a tier, um, despite the fact that he won the Intercontinental Title a couple nights ago. Um, I mean, no one is even close to this guy right now in terms of the total package that the the you know the Flair Thez Award represents. I mean, you know, is there someone in Mexico that we're free? I mean, we're not exactly uh, lucha aficionados, but I don't believe that there is. So I, I, there's just no one. I mean, you know, in terms of, you know, bell to bell wrestler of the year, I mean, maybe Hiromu would be second. Um, 
but I, you know, I I really don't think anyone comes close to Okada in, right. in regards to that I, either. He's doing, that think... it, he's doing it in enormous main events. They're selling out shows, and whether you like it or not, you know, the 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 importance of the matches matters too. I mean, it just does. It always has. You know, um, we're not. You don't give wrestler of the year awards to to Brad Armstrong. Okay, you, you give them to guys that are at the top of the card. One name that's actually kind of interesting is, and I, I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on this of, of a guy that I don't think is is has a better case than Okada, but may, might be that number two. What about Kenny Omega? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely because he's been right there. I mean that's the other thing too. We're, we're talking about you know Okada being you know drawing you know two of the top three houses and you know in, in New Japan since you know the beginning of 2015. Well, Kenny Omega has too on top. Right. And of course, there is Okada who who had the Sakura Genesis, which which drew really well as. Uh, in, in addition, we've have, you know obviously had some other evidence of Okada, but we were you know the show that three years ago was saying oh, you know Kenny Omega is the man. Like this is a guy that once they push him, once they do stuff with him, he is going to be a draw. And people are going to come to see him, and and it's not like he's bombing with Okada. He's right there neck and neck. So it, it it's he would be maybe my number two, which which seems kind of irrational. But I mean, hey, he's right there and he's delivering on those matches too because the matches he's had not with Okada have been those like amazing Ishii matches and some other stuff that he's really had. Of course. The, the in-between of, like, the tag matches where he kind of jacks around or whatever. I know people kind of get upset about that. I don't really care. I care about the big match stuff. And if you care about the big match stuff, the guy has absolutely 100% delivered on every big match he's had this year as well. No, you're right. Omega is number two. That's the guy. Uh, and, and uh, you know, but he's so far behind. And and he just, you know, this, this Okada 2017, I mean – I don't know what, when have we seen a year like this, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, even compared to, to other years of recent vintage. And again, we're only six months in. So um, I, I think bigger picture here coming out of Dominion, some things I was thinking about was number one, remember the goofy Okada versus Naito who should be on top debate. Well, that one's been put to bed. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone is, is bothering with that anymore. Uh, and it just sounds silly in hindsight. Um, Naito is a very nice one B. I, I know that's going to annoy people, but I mean, you know, great <laughs> spot to be in. I don't know why. I mean, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, scoreboard. I mean, you can't even argue anymore. I mean, Okada is just—he's proven that he belongs uh, as the top guy. And 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 the other thing that's really uh, become uh, clear. I, I know before I said that Okada is well ahead of Tanahashi's pace, uh, career versus career, and and that's not meant as a slight to Tanahashi, who I think is a, a slam dunk Hall of Famer and an all time great. And uh, hugely responsible for what we're seeing in New Japan over the last five years. Not only that, I think Hiroshi Tanahashi is uh, is hugely responsible for what we're seeing right now with Okada, because that Tanahashi Okada feud uh, that was exhibit fucking A on how to get a new star over, uh, from the booking to the selflessness of Tanahashi to uh, of course Okada delivering and. The other thing in hindsight, Rich, is and another thing that we can put to bed forever, historically, is that that feud dragged on too long and they had too many matches. I mean, how horrible does that argument sound now? That feud was so instrumental in creating what New Japan has today with Okada, who, by the way, this year is a bigger star than Tanahashi ever was. I mean, facts are facts. Tanahashi never drew like this. And I love Tanahashi, but it's just, you know, we tell it like it is here on this show. And Tanahashi was very instrumental in getting Okada to this level because without that Tanahashi feud, without those eight matches or whatever it was, and without Tanahashi putting him over at the end, 
And without that, all of the layers and the steps involved in that feud, in that rivalry, we don't have this now. So Tanahashi is 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 directly responsible for all of this just for putting Okada over. And that's what wrestling's all about. One guy putting over the next guy, and it's going to be Okada's job one day to do the same for the next person. And uh, that's kind of where wrestling sometimes loses its way and where promotions lose their way, where that sort of chain is broken. And New Japan, and, and they'll have Tanahashi to thank for this forever. It, you know, the fact, look, he didn't have to be that selfless with Okada. You know, no, this was- I mean, Jesus, I mean, that, that first match, I mean, when you really look back in hindsight, there is no reason in the world that Tanahashi should have said, yeah, I will definitely lose to this, you know, geek that just came back, sucked ass at Wrestle Kingdom, bombed completely. No, I'm not losing to this guy. Like, there's nothing, I, and I would not have blamed Tanahashi if he went out there and said, no, what, are you kidding? I'm not losing to that guy. Yeah. Would you have blamed him? I mean, Okada there with his stupid hair, his shitty looking finish. I mean, this we're talking like this is go back and watch that Wrestle Kingdom match. He he the finish looked like crap, the Rainmaker. He had no idea what he was doing. He comes out and challenges Tanahashi. Everybody in the crowd's kind of like, what the fuck? What are you doing? There was no reason in the world Tanahashi should have said, Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do the job. No problem. Like he, yeah. he's insane for doing that. And and then credit to him for saying, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. Why not? Let's go. And, Let's do that. And like, that's amazing. Like, that would. Th- there are so few guys that I think would would do that. And that, given that situation, and and do it in the same way that Tanahashi did, because he never. You can tell in that match, he he still gives one hundred ten percent. He's not sulking through it, or he doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, he still, and he he was invested in that feud from the beginning because he must have saw something. And and credit to Tanahashi of going, yeah, you know what? A little rough around the edges now, but we're gonna get something out of this guy. Yeah, so I don't care. And all of those. Really bad arguments. Oh, when is Nakamura going to get in the mix here with the top? In hindsight, how bad do all those arguments look? I mean, you know, it's it's this was a four-year plan to get Okada to the level he's at now, and it fucking worked to perfection. Um, and, and and Tanahashi deserves so much credit. And you look back at that feud and, and the Wrestle Kingdom match where Okada was overconfident and he left, the, you know, and, and, and he's carried away by Gato in tears with Tanahashi mocking him from the top turnbuckle. Just rich. This this was this has been five years of just such tremendous pro wrestling storytelling, you know, and, 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 and this is why we get so excited about this company, because they, they're doing the kinds of things that get you emotionally invested. And they're doing the kinds of things that we miss in our pro wrestling that we're not getting from other companies. This is just five years of brilliant, brilliant storytelling. And not only that, it came to a head and it worked. From a business perspective, it ended up working. You know, because we've seen wrestling storylines over the years that were great and produced in the ring. You know, I, I just mentioned Ric Flair, 1989, but you look at those Flair Steamboat matches and they were business failures. For as great as the matches were and as cool as that story was and it transitioned into flair funk and all of those things, it didn't it, – business-wise, it was a failure. This worked to perfect – this was exactly yeah. how they wanted it to play out. And they created a megastar above and beyond what Tanahashi ever was. You know, and, and I mean, look, a lot can happen. It's pro wrestling. He could cool off. Is that plausible? Sure. I don't see it. I mean, if this guy continues on the trajectory he's on, 
I mean, Rich, I mean, to me, and here's the other thing, and, and I made this point earlier this week, you know, and, and this was before I watched this this Omega match, and I said, if this match delivers to the consensus, to what everyone is saying about it, it's time to stop being polite about Okada and start just being honest. This guy's an all-timer. He's 29 years old, and he's already an all-timer. Yeah, if, really he retired, if he retired tomorrow, I, I, I'd put him up there. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm bad at, like, ranking my wrestlers or whatever. But if you had a list of all-time, and, he, you know, he, he calls it quits after Dominion, and goes, ah, you know what, I'm done. I, I don't care. I'm going to go do movies or whatever. He's an all-timer in my book. Absolutely. I mean, you look at his resume. And the, the all-time classic series with Tanahashi, which is going to go down as one of the top three in-ring rivalries in the history of professional wrestling. And now look what he's doing with Omega. I mean, these two matches with Omega, one of them is widely considered one of the greatest matches of all time by a lot of people, by a lot of smart people who know what they're talking about. And then the second one, a lot of people think that one was better. I am not one of them. We'll get to that. But a lot of people think that this draw was even better than the first. And these guys are just doing, you know, he's doing it again with Omega. You know, it's crazy. And then let alone all of the stuff with AJ Styles and, 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 and Naito and whoever else. This guy already has an all-time resume at 29 years old. And it's time to stop saying, ah, let's give him a couple more years. You know, he's still in his tw-. No. He's there. Zuchiko yeah. Okada is already there. He's an all-time great. Now, look, I'm not, look, is he one of the five best wrestlers? No. But, you know, is, is this guy arguably one of the 20 greatest wrestlers of all time? I think you can make that argument. I haven't sat down and thought about it. This may be coming off as controversial. I don't know. Um, but when you really look at his resume and, and you know, I, when I look at my own personal, you know, goofy, dorky star ratings or whatever, you look at Dave Meltzer's star. It guys right there with anybody. So, I, I, I mean, and, and that's really, you know, you, you asked me what my bigger picture thoughts were on this show and – it's just about Okada and, and the amazing year that he's had. And I really think 2017 has taken him um, sort of uh, to that next level from superstar to absolute megastar and into uh, the conversation now where if he stays healthy and conti- continues on this trajectory, you're talking about uh, a legitimate um, all-time great. Uh, we'll get to Dominion here in a second. I do want to let everybody know, though, that uh, New Japan Dominion, it's going to air on Access TV, which is really cool. It's a two-hour show, uh, June 30th. So they're really quick turnaround again. So kudos to Access TV and kudos to, to New Japan for getting another quick turnaround here. I mean, that, that's the stuff that's really going to make this thing grow. If it's not stuff from, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, you know, you're not in July watching Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, you're, you are June 30th going to watch something that just aired this last Saturday, which is really good if they get the translations and the turnaround and all that sort of stuff. So kudos to them for getting that uh, turned around as quick as they are, because uh, that, that's a really good asset, too, especially, you know, going into the Long Beach shows, which we will talk about here in a moment as well. So, Joe, uh, ready to uh, break down Dominion? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, I don't want to start with the pre-show. I think let's start with some of the big matches first. because Let's I don't start at do the this. top. Yeah, I don't want to do the, like, let's, you know, break down all these shows, and then we're going to work backwards here. So Rich, we'll I might fall asleep. We got exactly. yeah, I don't know what you got. I don't know how much energy you got here. So let's let's get, get going. That was a lot of energy for that last segment too. So I don't know what she's got left. Of course, the main event: Okada and Kenny Omega wrestling to a time limit draw, sixty minute draw. Joe, when now we when you watched this, you were aware that it was a draw, correct? Yeah, I watched it spoiled. Correct. Okay, I I I happened to watch this unspoiled, which was the best decision I ever made because 
for me, like draws, and I mentioned that before when I went back and watched the, uh, the Tanahashi Okada draw uh, from last year's G1 that I went back from a match of the year and watch it. And, and going in knowing it was a draw kind of killed it for me. This one I went in completely unspoiled, and I'm so glad I did because it made it that much better. Did it matter to you, though, in the end? Because I know sometimes you, you don't really – a lot of times you were able to watch Big Japan stuff or Big New Japan stuff without being spoiled. Did this change the match for you in any way? Were you disappointed by uh, – what, 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 did anything change by it? by you knowing it was a draw going in. Well, I, I, we're going to have two very different perspectives then because, first of all, Rich, nobody hates a 60-minute draw more than I do. And I've been very vocal about that. I don't like them. Um, I, I've, I've seen very few 60-minute matches, let alone 60-minute draws that, that I've liked. I mean, I usually don't like them at all. Um, and, and the other thing is, watching wrestling spoiled really does take a lot away from me because I am someone who gets wrapped up in, in, in the moment and suspension of disbelief. And especially when I'm invested in a promotion and invested in, in the wrestlers, which I obviously am in this case on both counts. So watching it spoiled, I think did hurt it for me. Um, watching, knowing that it was going to be a draw, uh, did hurt it for me. Uh, and just having the idea in my head that I was watching a 60 minute draw, was hard for me. I was skeptical coming into the match because of all of those things. I don't like 60 minute draws. And I felt like I was, it, I was, you know, going to be bored. Like I always am when I watch a 60 minute match, I, I firmly believe that pro wrestling storytelling is best served in a 25 to 25 minute window. I think you start going over 25 minutes, you're teetering on the brink. You start going to 30, you better be real fucking good and have a real good story. You hit 40, you better be, uh, you know, just an elite level storyteller and a great worker and all of those things. And anything past 40, you usually will lose me. Um, and and longtime listeners of this show know that. Uh, Rich, I watched this match knowing all of those things, and this was the best 60 minute match I've ever seen in my life, and it's not even close. The pace that these guys worked was unreal. Uh, knowing it was going to going 60 minutes, uh, you know, watching the first 10 to 15 minutes of this match, I could not believe the pace they were working. It was, it was, it was, it, I mean, normally in a 60 minute match, okay, wrestlers have about 30 minutes of ideas. Can we be completely honest? This right, is why it's, I don't, nerve, it's nerve holds for the other <laughs> remaining. Yeah. yeah, this is why I don't like 60-minute matches for because they always have 30 minutes of ideas. And the perfect example that I think everyone can relate to, a match that probably everyone listening to this has seen, is, those, is the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels match, where that match was worked completely different than any other Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels match you've ever seen because Bret Hart was just throwing Shawn Michaels into side headlocks for 25 minutes. And that's usually what you get. With a 60-minute match, you get copious stalling. I was at the Samoa Joe-Brian Danielson 60-minute match from Edison, New Jersey, Ring of Honor, 2006. Hated that match, Rich. Didn't like it. Because I knew 10 minutes in, they were going 60 minutes because they, they tipped it off with, with the pace that they were working. And even – that's what I mean. Even great wrestlers. I think Brian Danielson might be one of the 10 best wrestlers of all time. I think the world of Samoa Joe, everybody knows that. I still – I like broken down old-ass Samoa Joe that we're seeing today. I think those guys are brilliant pro wrestlers, and they still bored me to tears when they went 60 minutes. I hate that match, and I was there live, and it was two guys that I love, and I should have been into it. And I was grumpy 15 minutes into that fucking thing because I knew they were going 60. Rich, this match – I couldn't believe the pace these guys were working on. They had I been watching, and you watched it unspoiled. 
did they tip it off for you in the first 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes that they were going 60? Not at all. And, that, and that's, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say is because I'm, I'm sitting down and watching this on spoil, which, which again, you know, and, and, and they're going nuts and they're doing all that. Because the beginning of the match, I mean, for people that, that haven't seen it, and everybody listening hopefully has seen it. If not, please, you know, go. But, you know, you got Tobey Cotton Helos going on. You got, you know, Okada diving all over the place. You got Kenny, you know, working over Okada's leg or whatever. But the first 10, 15 minutes are you think this match is going 30, 25, you know what I mean? Like, cause they're working it. Like, let's go. Like, you know, like Okada wants to get in and out of there real quick. You know, Kenny looks like he wants to get out of there real quick. I mean, both guys are just trying to, to, you know, really get at the other guy right away and not just relax, not take a count out. Not, you know what I mean? Like it was all like quick, 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 quick stuff. I mean, I don't recall any sort of stalling rest holds or anything other than the only stalling they maybe did in the first 10 minutes or whatever what was selling after a big move where you know Okada would jump off and and do a a, a tope or, or or Kenny would dive and and do something that was all the stalling was those guys selling after a big move but it was all big stuff and 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 stuff going on right now you, you know in the moment as the match is going on so yeah no it those first 15 minutes which, which like you said are always usually the Okay, we're going 60 here. God damn it. Okay, let's settle in. Or oh, we're going 70. You know, Dennison had that one with areas where in the first five minutes you're like, oh, Jesus, here we go. But this one, not at all. I mean, I was 25 minutes into it going, okay, let, let's go. It, the complete testament to it was when they said, Kevin Kelly and, and Callis, which I, I listened to the English broadcast, they weren't really making lighter or they weren't really alluding to the time all that much until it was like 10 minutes left to go. And I was like, holy shit, we're at 50 minutes. I did not think that whatsoever because, uh, uh, last week, and I know you didn't listen to the show because you didn't have any time, but uh, Joe Gagne and I were talking about how long we think this match is going to go. And I went over 45 minutes. I thought, yeah, they're going to go over 45 minutes. The draw didn't, didn't really get into my head, but I said, yeah, over 45 minutes. Well, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis are like, all right, we're at 50 minutes. And I'm like, holy shit, what? Like, it completely took me by surprise that they had blown past 45 minutes and were approaching 60. I mean, my my brain did not even think of that in, in any way, shape, or form. I had to go do something, too. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, holy shit, it's been an hour here, and I'm still sitting here. I'm still, you know, watching this. So, no, I was completely taken aback by the fact that it was even approaching an hour, let alone that they were actually going to do the draw. But uh, that's a testament to them because at no point, in those first 45 minutes, even though no, at no point in the first 55 minutes did I think that they were going to a draw. I said, no, this is going to close up in, in the next few minutes here. Here we go here. And, and it never did. And that is a testament to it was never like the, because sometimes with these 60 minute draws, you're kind of, and you can tell the wrestlers too, they're trying to get to that point. It's like, all right, what do we got? 10 more minutes. Oh, okay. Let's, you know, cause I've seen a few of those and it's like, all right, absolutely. Let's. It's, it's like I said, they like they're looking at the clock. They're looking at the clock like, ah, oh, five more minutes. All right. These guys, um, in these 60-minute matches, they never have 60 minutes of ideas. No, no. They, they got – at most they have 40. And then they're like, ah, oh, fuck. What do we do with this, you know? Right. And those last five minutes are excruciating because, like, a lot of times you just want it to end. And you tell the wrestlers just want it to end. The fans often want it to end. I was, like, nervous as this match was ending because I was, like – and these dudes were so good at making every minute of that last – five, 10 minutes matter and, and, and care about it. Cause there was different points where like, all right, here it is. Here's the ending. Like a lot of times you think it's just going to end. This was not so one where you, I thought it was going to end. Bought, you draw. bought some of the finishes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There were, there were quite a few that I, I, I bought. Yeah, I mean, obviously, okay. um, you know, I'm trying to think of the, yeah, there, there was, there was a few, I mean, uh, when you- he, when when Okada set up that Rainmaker, Kenny dodged it and just fell from exhaustion. Oh, you, okay. No, he didn't dodge it. I think you're talking about, and this is the most memorable spot in the entire match. It's going to go down as one of the most memorable spots in history to me. I mean, for me personally, I think you're talking about the spot where Kenny inadvertently avoided the Rainmaker because he collapsed in exhaustion. 
Right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and Okada whiffed on the Rainmaker and flew across the ring. His momentum. And then he was down, and then he kind of had to sell that too, yeah. Which was yes, cool. that was a brilliant spot. I mean, who would have even thought of that but Kenny Omega? I'm telling you right now, Omega thought of that. Who on earth could have thought of a spot like that other than – that is that had Kenny Omega's fingerprints all over it because we know that guy is a genius. Well, okay, yeah, that, that, that's that's a little sports feel to that too because anybody that's played a sport knows that when, when you go to do something and it doesn't happen as you want it to, that's almost the most exhausting thing in the world. Go play baseball and, and just swing from the, the hardest swing you have and miss it. You'll, you're exhausted. You feel like crap. Your your confidence is blown or whatever. Even when you're in a fight, you know, you go for a punch and the guy dodges or whatever. Like that's more exhausting than anything. Like the the fact that it doesn't connect and your your momentum and your body just kind of goes in a different direction and doesn't go where you want it to. Hockey is a great example too. You go for a huge slap shot and you just you just miss it. You just whiff on it. Like you're done. Like that is your exhaustion level. You Okada was going. Okay, this is all the power I have. I'm putting you away. And when he couldn't put him away, it was like, fuck, now I'm exhausted. Like it, He he literally flew across the ring. Right. It's one of the best gifs <clears throat> you'll ever see. And, 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 and Omega just, just dying halfway through the ripcord portion of the move and falling to his knees in exhaustion, which inadvertently saved him from because he would have lost in that spot. That was just an incredible pro. It was just a when he set that up, I bought spot. that. If he hit that rainmaker, that was going to be it. And when then that happened, I was like, "Holy well, shit!" He hit one yeah. later. He hit one later. That was seconds. so fucking impactful. Yeah, thirty seconds remaining. He did it, and that was another one where he just fell to the mat again because he hit it so hard. It was like, ah, God! I'm, now and I the can't. bump Omega took. Oh <laughs> my! God. It was just you know the thud on his chest, and then the bump. And and remember, this is fifty nine minutes into a match <laughs> where these guys never stopped. And that's why, you know, this is why I say this is the greatest 60-minute match I've ever seen because, Rich, there was no filler. There was no stalling for time. It all, it was all action from bell to bell. I don't know how these guys had the cardio to do this. First of all, the, the, the conditioning it took to go that hard for so long, then to put together a cohesive match that never loses, I, I couldn't. I never would have thought I could watch a 60-minute match that at no point would lose my attention. But these guys are so good, and they worked so hard, and they went so hard from bell to bell that they never lost my attention. And you made such a great point. It, it's it's these these guys. Uh, they went. I lost my train of thought. Yeah, oh, the point you made about um. Nah, forget it. I lost it. I'm so tired. About the sports thing was it? Was, no, you about uh, uh, I don't know. I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> But this, I'm sure it was a great point. I'm sure was, it was great. It was a tremendous point, and you're never going to get credit for it now. Uh, no, but these – I mean, you know, 60 minutes, action from bell to bell, no stalling. None of it felt like filler. Oh, it you had, know what? I'm, I'm sorry. Let, not to interrupt you. I, the, it had none of the tropes that I hate yeah. about 60-minute matches. And, oh, this is the point you made. How it didn't feel like 60 minutes. You know, this did not feel like a 60 minute match. This just felt like a 25 minute match to me. I, and it's very similar to Wrestle Kingdom in that that match went like 48 minutes and it was a fucking breeze. Same for this one. This one was even breezier and it was longer because you can make more of an argument that there was filler in the Wrestle Kingdom match. Mm-hmm, right. I'm not a proponent of that argument because I disagree with the, that the first 15 minutes because you go back and watch a Wrestle Kingdom match. I completely disagree that the first 15 minutes – everything in that Wrestle Kingdom match played into the finish. I think people are nuts. I think they were filler in that match. But this match was just action from bell 
to fucking Bell. And and it, it, it enthralled me. It held my attention. And it had everything working against it. A 60-minute match. I knew the result. And I knew they were going 60. And they still had me to the very end. And they still had me uh, standing and pacing in my den. This was a <laughs> tremendous pro wrestling match. I do not think it was better than the Wrestle Kingdom match. Uh, but I do think it was uh, probably the second or third best match I've seen all year, and it's going to be a, a memorable match. And not only that, Rich, you know they're going to have more matches down the line, maybe at Wrestle Kingdom again. Who knows? Although I still think they're going to go Okada Naito for Wrestle Kingdom. But now I think you have a legitimate argument for Okada Omega with the two, with, uh, with with the numbers that they've drawn uh, that may be going in that direction. Uh, uh, again, making people just kind of make people think I hate Naito again, which I don't. Uh, but I, I think that might they might need to make uh, Okada Omega the direction now for Wrestle Kingdom. It seems like the that third match is the match that everybody wants. Um, and you know they've kept Omega and Naito apart. Don't forget that. Um, those guys are going to have a match at some point, and we know when New Japan keeps guys apart, it's not by accident. So Naito Omega are going to have to have a match at some point too. I don't know what the plan is there. But I just thought this was a brilliant match, and uh, I, there's there's not much more I can say about it. I, these guys were both amazing. Uh, we're looking at two of the best wrestlers on the planet, and for for us putting over Okada so strong, uh, you know, again, it, you know, Kenny Omega cannot be the forgotten man here. This man is a wrestling genius, and we we've talked about it before. And uh, he really is a genius, bell to bell, and it's just amazing that they were able to follow up, arguably, what some people believe is the greatest pro wrestling match of all time. With, uh, with 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 another match of, of similar caliber. And it's sort of like the Okada-Tanahashi thing where it's like you had to stop doubting that they can continue topping themselves. I have no doubts when and they have their third match, uh, Okada and Omega, that they will somehow manage to uh, rise to the occasion again and have another match of this caliber. Uh, the spot that I was actually, I was trying to interrupt you a little bit because there was a spot earlier that, I, that now I'm going back and, and, and kind of thinking of the match in my head. The spot that I think would absolutely change if you watched Spoiled versus Unspoiled that made me jump up and go, oh, my God, is when Kenny hit the one-winged angel on Okada and pins him, and Okada gets his foot on the ropes at, like, point at 2.9999, like, at the absolute last second, gets his foot on the ropes. That's one that I bought 100% that that was going to be the finish. Yeah, I mean. protected that move so much that I was like, right. well, well, duh, yeah, he hit the one-winged angel. That's going to be it. I was like, holy, here we go. And did it, so you bought it even though it was that close to the ropes? I did, yeah, because I wasn't really paying – when in, in the moment, I wasn't looking at where his feet were. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I was too caught up in the moment of, oh, my God, he hit the one-winged angel. And then when he puts his foot on the rope, I'm like, oh, yeah, duh, he's that close to the rope. Of course they would. But they protected that move so much that I didn't think that even that would stop. But I, I don't think it's unprotected now either because Okada got it up at, like, the absolute last second to, to do that. So he really, again, dodged another bullet. And, that, and that's been the great story about Okada throughout this entire thing. And I think that's um, – we talk about a guy having great matches, you know, that's one thing, but a guy that's going out there and telling amazing stories in every one of his matches. I mean, this is a guy who who progressively, as you've watched his past, you know, five or six big matches, is just little by little not quite doing it as much. This was a guy who, who could waltz in and beat somebody, you know, easily. Now it takes a little bit more. Now it takes a little bit more. Okay, now I need, you know, three Rainmakers. Now I need four. Now I have a kick out of your finisher. Now I have to save myself by getting onto the ropes at, at, at 2.99. And now I have to, you know, just barely get to a time limit draw with you. I mean, that's a really important thing that he's done over those last few matches is that 
you can see progressively the little build of 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 every little match Okada is getting a little worse like that that title is getting a little out of his grasp and that is so cool and that makes it's so much fun to follow and watch every single one of these matches because now it's like all right what's it going to be this time and it's going to make when he eventually loses that much more important like we said the wrist clutch you know the first time somebody grabs his wrist and slaps it away is going to be the biggest fucking deal in the world because he's built that up now over matches where where that's what he uses to stay in you know he might be battered he might be beaten but he'll hold on to your wrist and that's all he needs while someone's going to strike you know power out of that slap his wrist away and hit their finisher and, and, and beat him and that's going to be a huge moment. And that's been so fun to watch that progression as he's going on. So not only is he going out there and absolutely having like great, you know, star rating nerdy matches or whatever, but even if you're a storytelling wrestling fan, he's giving that to you too. The guy's just doing fucking everything. It's That's why we're in the midst of just a legendary historical year for a pro wrestler because it's like you're saying, he's not just having these, uh, these great matches in a vacuum. All of these matches have tremendous psychology and storytelling to them. And the other thing about it is it's match-to-match storytelling and psychology of this story of this man who is barely holding on by a thread and somehow surviving all of these very – very much varied attacks from different kinds of pro wrestlers. And it's just – and we really have to talk about booking a draw on this spot, which I thought was brilliant booking because I didn't see a draw coming. Maybe some other people did. Rich, I was out of the loop obviously – were people talking draw before this match? Because I did not even consider. We had, draw. We had a few people. Um, Jason Felix is one, you know, former contributor to the website. He was the guy that said, "Why is nobody predicting a draw?" Like, because we, you know, we released our, our, our preview, and Joe Gagne and I talked about it as well. And and none of us predicted a draw. We all thought Kenny Omega was going to win. Um, and yeah, no, I, there were a few people on our, our, our mentions that said draw, but it was not like the consensus was okay. Well, the the obvious idea here is a draw. I mean, I would say. 75% of the people that, that that I talked to or that I saw in the mentions thought Kenny was going to win and and maybe, you know, 1% to 2% thought a draw. So, I mean, they, it was it was not – it was a few, but it was not many at all that thought this. So, it wasn't a major theme coming oh, God, no, people. Oh, no. God, I mean, not, not in our world. I don't know. Again, like, I'm in our little bubble, but, yeah, no. And nobody on – I don't think anybody on our staff even mentioned it. I think it was, like, lightly mentioned, but a lot of people were just like, nah, I think it's going to be kind of – like, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was in the bloodstream as much as, you know, people might say now in, in retrospect. I mean, the draw was a stroke of genius because, you know, it protects Omega, obviously. And uh, it continues Okada's story of just barely getting by. And it uh, sets up a third match perfectly. If Okada wins, it's it's hard to get to that third match since he's won two in a row. And you don't have to – see, you, you, you're getting to that third match and you're getting to that third match with a pile of intrigue without having to change the title. So the draw just worked from every aspect. Uh, to me – just uh, a brilliant decision that I personally did not see coming. Um, so I, I do think the draw uh, w- w- was a great idea. Um, I, I do think that um, uh, the, the, the one-winged angel spot that you talked about, what I thought was brilliant about that, now when he hit it, now of course, look, I know it's a draw coming in, but he hit it so close to the ropes that I saw what was coming a mile away. But to me, that was okay because it did tell the story of Omega finally hitting the move but when when Okada gets his foot on the ropes, you just you see Omega's body language. He's like, "Fuck! This is what I've been gunning to do for nearly 120 minutes in the ring with this man, and 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 I finally got him. I finally hit this move, and I was too close to the ropes, and this guy gets a rope break. 
and, and and you kind of see Omega's body language and he gets deflated and that and that to me it wouldn't have mattered to me if I would have bought the spot like you did or not because I think that was an important storytelling point and it, and that also was brilliantly done so I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad we didn't neglect talking about it because yeah he finally hit it and um, you know Okada survives by the skin of his teeth. So uh, that that was that was a key moment in the match, but there were there were so many great spots in this match. Um, I, I thought, see, there were a couple points early in the match where I thought the work was was a little bit sloppy, um, but they recovered nicely, and and that was uh, ancient history. Uh, by the time we rolled, there were a couple spots that were barely saved. I mean, Omega almost lost Okada on their uh, power bomb or something like that, and he almost lost him, but he had, he powered him back up and he saved the spot. And there was another spot later on where I forget what they were going for. Well, Kenny did like that Asai moonsault off the off the top rope and had to like catch himself, which is an incredible. I mean, like that is you know we talk about how great athletes you know wrestlers are sometimes. I mean, that's Omega. He does like a springboard to the top rope and then is trying to do a backflip. He nearly falls off, but uses like all the strength and all his power to balance himself, which is incredible. Given yeah. the size that the guy is on a rope, go to a wrestling. You know, next time you're at a wrestling show, feel those ropes. I mean, that is incredible. To balance yourself off that top rope to yeah. hit that eyesight moonsault. So that was one that could have been disastrous uh, that Kenny was able to kind of work How about through, that so. Death Valley driver on the apron? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. God, was that brutal. I cringe. Yeah, I cringe. I don't usually do that in wrestling matches, but that was one where I was like, oh, I, Listen, God, yeah. I love a good apron spot because, you know, because of a few injuries as, that scattered injury. People think apron spots are like the most dangerous thing ever. And the, and the entire essence of pro wrestling is doing something safely, but give, but conveying the danger, right? And it's Correct. like people think apron spots are these ultra dangerous things, and I really don't think they're as dangerous as people think. And we've talked to pro wrestlers and asked them, and for the most part, they've agreed with us. They've told us, depending on the quality of the ring, if you're working in a quality ring, a WWE ring or a New Japan ring, where you know you're working in a good ring – they're not in it. Apron spots aren't that dangerous. Okay. Any oh. more dangerous than what you're doing in the ring. It's exactly. when you're working. Guys in- wouldn't keep doing it. Guys wouldn't Correct. keep doing it. If it was, I mean, that, that's, that's people. Oh, they feel forced to do it. No, if, if they're going to go, Hey, look, I, it's not worth it to me to, you know, ruin my career or really seriously injure myself. I do. The reason these guys keep doing it is because it's fine. Like they wouldn't do it. If it was such a horrible risk and such a dangerous thing, these guys wouldn't do it. They, you know, these guys are not idiots. They, they know, you know, like, well, you know, well I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> wrestlers will do things that are, you know, adverse to their health. Yes, like wrestle, like over. wrestle in the ring. Like that is just as dangerous by doing flat right. back no, all yeah. the time. And like, you know, <laughs> that's every time but, you get in the ring. It's a ri- that's what I'm trying to say is that, yes. yes, every time you get in the ring, you're at a risk. Doing something on an apron is no different than, you know, doing a pile driver in the middle. I mean, it, 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 you know, whatever. Like there's ri- inherent risk with everything you do in a wrestling ring. It's all the same. Like it, I, it's just that's become the new thing of. First it was dives, and it's still kind of dives, and then it's this, and then it's just like, guys, it's... It's, I mean, we've had wrestlers tell us that, right. you know, yeah, if, if, if you're working in some shitty indie ring, you know, in a VFW hall somewhere, yeah, you might want to avoid the apron spots, but... And plus, you're dealing with world-class wrestlers who know how to protect themselves and protect their opponents, and, um, you know, and, but anyway, my point is, because there's this sort of aura surrounding apron spots and how super dangerous they are i think that's what makes them all the more impressive at least for me and and that's why i, I you know because I, you know it's it's we think of them as being more and that's the whole point of pro wrestling thinking of something being more dangerous than it really is and that's you know why 
think, you know, you want to get something over is dangerous. So I'm all for apron spots. A well-placed apron spot gets me every time. And that was a good example of a well-placed apron spot. Um, yeah, so I don't know what else we can say. I love the booking here. Both guys were obviously brilliant in the match. Uh, it was it was unlike any other. If you haven't seen the match yet and you're like me and you're like, I am not sitting through a one-hour match. Look, I get you. I understand. But trust me, this is not your typical one-hour match. No filler. No killing time. Action bell to bell. I mean, this is what you want in your pro wrestling. I mean, I, I can't, I, you know. Yeah. It, if anything, it's just to see what they were able to do to follow up Wrestle Kingdom. I think that, because everybody going in, and that, that was the consensus, is there's no way they're following up Wrestle Kingdom. There's, there's no possible way, because how do you follow up Wrestle Kingdom? And, and they did. Yeah. They followed That's up. Unbelievable. Actually. Yeah. And I don't. I don't have any issue with anyone who thinks this was the better match. No, no. I I, I liked Wrestle Kingdom better, but yeah. That's. I mean, I'm not going to argue it. It's a, you know splitting hairs at that point. If you, yeah. if you like this one, they're both fucking incredible. So yeah, if you like this one better, more power to you. Because there were things about this match that were more impressive than the Wrestle Kingdom match. The pace for one, they went at a harder pace here, and it went 12 minutes longer. And and you know, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, how yeah. how amazing is that that the Wrestle Kingdom one felt more epic and long and like kind of bloated or whatever? And I mean that in a good way, in a sense, because it was a Wrestle Kingdom main event. Where this one was worked as a sprint, and this one had 60 minutes. Like, you know what? You nailed it. This was a 60 minute sprint. Unbelievable. Is, how do you do that? Disgusting when you how think you about that? it. I, I I've never seen anything like it in, in pro wrestling before. I, I really haven't. And we would be here's one thing we forgot to bring up. What did you think of the Cody Rhodes spot? About um, you know, five minutes into the match, I liked it a lot, and that's God that, damn you, Rich. What? Oh, did you like it too? Because I liked it, and oh, I thought that you wouldn't have. No, liked I liked it. it a lot. Sorry, no, it was, it was cool because it, it it builds up a little bit of. Um, obviously, you, you get Cody, you know, getting his title shot later, but I think more than that, it it. it it creates dissension within the Bullet Club, which we've always thought was going to come at some point. We always, you know, I think we've said it on the show before, anybody who's kind of followed Kenny Omega and the Bucks know that those dudes would kind of prefer to do their own thing and not be in the Bullet Club. They, You know, they like the t-shirt sales on their own, but they, they can sell t-shirts being the elite. They can sell t-shirts being those guys. And I think they've always for a long time wanted to break off or whatever. So when that happened, it was like the first little hint that, okay, we can do something fun here. And no, I like the spot because it makes sense in the, in, in the rationale too because Cody – in, in one way can say, well, no, I could, you know, my friend, my, my, my stable mate or whatever was, was getting destroyed and I need to go in there and help him or whatever. And then on the other hand, you can go the, you know, no, I want to win. I want to beat Omega or I want to beat Okada and win the title. So it works on both of those levels too, whichever part of the story you kind of buy in a little bit more. But, but I think all around it, I, I love the spot. I thought it was great. I thought it was, it worked so well. Like when they first came down, I started to cringe a little. I said, what is happening here? Uh, but then when I saw where they were going, it was that point in the match where Okada was just leveling Omega with with short clothesline after short clothesline and just uh, decimating him. And Omega was just a you know a dead man being dragged around the ring, and Okada was just you know how Okada gets sometimes. You look at the G1 final from 2000, was it 14 or 15 with Nakamura, where he hit those extra rainmakers that really weren't needed. And we've seen Okada get that way sometimes, where he just decides. One is not enough. I just want to murder you. I want to send a message. I don't want to beat you. I want to send a message. And, um, you know, in hindsight, that Nakamura match, that G1 final, really symbolic, right? Especially how it played out with Nakamura leaving a year and a half later or whatever it was. That really was a turning point for Okada. That was really a turning point for both of those guys. It really slotted them in chaos and, and everything else. 
And, um, you know, and he was doing that to Omega. So here comes Cody Rhodes and he just, he wants to throw the towel in, but does he want to throw the towel in because he cares about Kenny Omega or does he want to throw that towel in because he wants to crack it? Right. So it was cool that you could, you could really go at it with two ways. And, and, and yeah, that, that, that was an interesting. Yeah. And, and I think rich, I mean, I, I mean, you know, did again, I'm out of the loop. I watched this show. I fell asleep. I went to work. Did we witness the start of the Omega turn? Is that what this was? Are they? I think so. I I, I think you have to because Omega cannot now come and be and not care about that. You know what I mean? Like, and you could see the Bucks kind of had this reaction too. Like, what the hell are you doing? What are you? And it was I thought it was again symbolic too that it was the Bucks that were stopping Cody right. Rhodes. It was none of the other Bullet Club. The other Bullet Club was standing up on the ramp. They were kind of confused and not quite sure what was going on. Well, but the, other, the rest of the Bullet Club, your Follies and your Pages, they wanted Rose to throw the towel because they looked like they were concerned for Omega. Right. Rhodes, I think Cody played it great because you he, you didn't know where – you know he's sort of he, – he's, he, he's giving this facade that he cares about his stable mate. But in reality, he's being a selfish asshole, right? I mean that's what we're tra- supposed to be getting from this. And I feel like we're seeing the start of Omega of an Omega turn, and and I mean I, I, that has to happen at some point. I think the guy would be an amazing babyface for this company. Oh, you know? absolutely. And, and, yeah. and and I think you know just going back to January, where you know he may have had everyone else fooled, Rich, but he did not have us fooled. We knew this man wasn't going anywhere, and you know maybe he knew this long term plan and 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 what they have in store for him two, three, four years down the line. We know that that you know we just talked about. Okada's long-term booking, you know, his four-year booking plan. Maybe they've laid something out for Omega. That's a two, three, four-year long booking plan. Everyone seems to think he's got one foot out the door. I'm not someone who's convinced of that. Would I be shocked if this guy pops up in NXT in in February? No, it wouldn't shock me. But Rich, would it shock you if he's in New Japan for the next five years? That wouldn't shock me either. I think this idea that Kenny Omega is just biding his time until – you know, he hops on, you know, the Bucks' shoulders and they waltz into Orlando. I don't think I, – I think it's false. I, I think Kenny Omega is a different kind of guy. I think he's a different kind of thinker. I think Kenny Omega gets off on the idea of being an enormous worldwide superstar without the help of that company, which, you know, I don't care what anybody says. I still think he's a little bitter towards his first uh, uh, go-around in that company. And it's not to say that I don't think he'll ever end up there. He could end up there next year, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. But – it also wouldn't surprise me if this is a long-term thing and he knew that and they've got something laid out and this is the start of it. And I don't know, man. I, I'm not convinced like other people that he's just destined for WWE. Like yeah, I'm not either. I'm less and less as time goes on thinking that that's his end game. I, I, I thought so a few years ago, but the more and more I see it and the more and more I – again, like yeah, like you're saying, it, it could absolutely happen and we're not saying it's not. But, but I, yeah, I'm not as confident as others that that's, that's his end game. Does it? Don't you feel like he's the kind of guy where it, it, it's okay? He he. Obviously, that's where you have the potential to make the most money. But don't you think Kenny Omega of all people is the kind of guy who will sacrifice a little bit of because look, money's going to drive everyone. But don't you think he's the perfect kind of per, just like a Kota Ibushi, his his pal? You know, it's like. Both of them are sort of the kind of guys where you can see where they would they're willing to sacrifice a little bit of money. For creative satisfaction, right? People are tripping over themselves to get Kotobushi money, and he just won't take it. And he won't take it. (laughs) And it's it's Omega is the kind of guy where I can totally see getting creative satisfaction. It it, it can can it it would not mean more than money to him. I never want to say that because it's never true. 
but it can make up the difference. Look, if he's going to have a comfortable lifestyle and become a, a rich man in New Japan, but also be creatively fulfilled, I can see him choosing that path rather than going to WWE, being dead behind the eyes, and making, I don't know, 40% more money. You see what I mean? And being filthy rich instead of just being rich. Uh, I, I, you know, To me, he's the kind of guy who would rather fill that creative void because yeah. that's, that's him. I mean, and, and so that's why I'm not convinced at all that this is a guy who's just fucking around, waiting to go to – because I think he's also smart enough to know that when he gets to that company, he's just a cog in the wheel at that point. And all of that creative fulfillment that he's getting now is out the fucking window. When's he going to get a chance to work a 48- and 60-minute match against the top guy in that company and have all of this creative input? You heard what right, he said able to about do the wrestler. Exactly what he wants to do in that match and be able to do, you know, exactly. like you said, him dictate the spots that he's going to do and not, you know, some other right. guy in the back. Yeah, tell him. You, yeah. you heard him talk about the Wrestle Kingdom match and how they went over time because, you know, and, and, and he was a little worried headed to the back. Remember, he said that to Meltzer, where he was a little worried going into the back after that match because they knew they went over time, but they've got that creative freedom there. You know, even on a show like Wrestle Kingdom, they have that sort of uh, that creative freedom to, to, to express themselves creatively and artistically. And I think that Kenny Omega is the kind of guy who thinks about those things. I'm not so sure AJ Styles is the kind – and I'm not knocking AJ Styles. Yeah. Well, and AJ Styles is also, you know, what, five or six years older than him. And that's not to say 38 With three kids. Right, it's not to say 38 wife, Kenny Omega and, might not want to do that. But, yeah, when you have a family to, to support, it's, it's a little different. I understand why Kenny Omega – I understand why Cassie Stono wants those consistent checks or whatever. I don't know that Kenny Omega is, is is that motivated by the fact that a check is going to you know get deposited into his his bank account every single month at a consistent pace. Like, and, and not when he also sees, okay, I'm in on the ground floor with an aggressive owner and a company on the rise, and I can make a lot of money here. Right, in a pretty cool country, this- too. A country that, you know, he kind of embraces the culture a lot, too. So. Yeah, exactly. It's not a guy this- who's sitting at McDonald's going, oh, I'm so – I just wanted to be back in Canada. Oh, this sucks. Like, that's a dude who fucking loves being in where he's at. Not to mention – what we're going to talk about a little later this uh, this whole North American expansion deal where he very well could be the guy they build around so I don't buy this idea and he's one foot out the door I think he loves it there um, you know and 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 I think he's a guy that we can see there long term and I do think there was a lot of seeds planted at the end of this match this can go in so many different directions and this is why I'm not as down on the Okada Cody match as some other people are but we probably shouldn't jump ahead on that no, um, let's, uh, let's let's get to the other matches here on Dominion. Uh, again, we'll kind of work our way down. Uh, Tanahashi versus Naito. This is for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, of course. Tanahashi pulls off the. the uh, would you? I, I wouldn't call it an upset because I think a lot of us thought Tanahashi was going to do it, but uh, still in the moment, kind of a big deal with Tanahashi defeating Naito uh, and doing it in a, by a different means than you would kind of expect a Hiroshi Tanahashi to win. What do you think of this? And what do you think of the finish of him locking in the clover leaf uh, to do it? He's got oh, a name just, for it, but I forgot what the hell it is because we're it's just one. great. It's just it. great stuff. I mean, what the hell is uh, the name of that move? Are we that bad at a move? Why we are that bad at names of moves? What the hell is it? He doesn't just call it the next cloverleaf. It's, it's a cloverleaf. It's what it is. Oh, does he call it a name? Does he? Or he just call it I don't know what he calls it, but it's a fucking cloverleaf. Okay, we'll go so. with that. I don't know if he called it anything, but. And 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 he was <laughs> and he did win matches with that. I guess about a year and a half ago, he went mm-hmm. setting up the Okada match. Remember? Right. Where? Yeah, he's won a few with them, but yeah, it's it's still like it's not yeah. the poignant uh, yeah. high fly flow that you usually got. No, Naito kicked out of the high fly flow, which. Um, to me, it was surprising. I, I was shocked by that because this was a match that I did watch on Spoil. 
And um, I was surprised he kicked out of the high fly flow. But um, I and yeah, I'm I'm glad that he finished him with the cloverleaf, playing off the idea that Naito still has this bad knee from years ago. Um, you know, and, and and you know what was funny was you know Rip Rogers didn't agent this show because uh, you know didn't the uh, <laughs> the, the junior tag title match ended with the same move. So uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, so didn't that end with a cloverleaf uh, or some sort of uh, cramp hold or whatnot? Where yeah, I, was, it was, I don't think it was exactly the cloverleaf, but I'm imagining was, that. But uh, um, it was the hoverboard. Lock. It was the hoverboard lock, wasn't it? Romero tapped out, didn't he? Oh, you're you're talking about the, the I thought junior tag the junior, title. Oh, that's a junior match. Um, yeah. What was the hell the finish of that? Now I don't. I'm blanking on what the hell he did. Uh, uh, it was a sharpshooter, right? Of some type, right? It was, it was yeah. So similar enough that Rip Rogers would be very upset. So yes, that's my point here. Yeah, it was, it was a sharpshooter. I, I, I believe. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I, I'm almost positive it was a sharpshooter. Yeah. So which again, but uh, there was a theme on this show where you had all these Wrestle Kingdom rematches, but the matches were worked completely different. I mean, the Tanahashi Naito match at Wrestle Kingdom was this cerebral, uh, methodical, just uh, just just tremendous psychology, and and this these two guys they just went balls to the wall here. Fight a fucking fight. Tanahashi, close fist just. Straddling Naito, close fist, just punching the fuck out of him. Like they went through half. The, I mean, the first five minutes of the match, Naito couldn't even get his 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 uh, suit off because Tanahashi was just at him right away. And that you never get that from Tanahashi. You never get the aggressive Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I think Naito it was good to get the title off him before G One. Um, I just can't stand another G One where every time a champion loses, we got to hear about how the guy who won has to get out of the title. I'm just so sick of that stuff. So I'm glad <laughs> because I think Naito's winning the G One. I think. Isn't he the pot? He's got to be the popular pick. Right oh, yeah, now, yeah. Right? No, he's, so he's like, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's why I thought he was losing this title here because I want uh, they get the title off of him and he's clear and free to do whatever he needs to now in the energy one. So. Right. And and I think I think uh, Naito Okada is they've kept them apart. And uh, I think but again, I listen, I'm, I'd be real tempted if I'm, you know, if I have the pencil, Rich, if you're giving Joe Lanza the pencil, uh, I, I'd be real tempted to switch gears and go Okada Omega three at Wrestle Kingdom. I really would. I think that's the hotter match than Okada Naito at this point. Um, but look, I can't kill him if they stick to the plan. Look, if there's one thing that Gato does, it's stick to the plan. Um, you know, for better or worse, usually, and it usually works out. So um, whether it's small time when it comes to like things like Gorillas of Destiny, which we were screaming about pulling the plug on, and they saw that through, and now they're one of the best tag teams in the world. Um, or whether it's uh, a, a bigger picture thing like Okada's four-year push or sticking with AJ Styles when he bombed coming out of the gate and ended up being very instrumental in their 2015 or whatever you know yeah. year it was. And it's it's Gato will pick will he will pick a plan and he will stick to it and he will see it through and he's patient and he's not afraid if something fails early. So um, if it is Okada Naito that they're gunning for, I wouldn't expect them to change course i think that's what they'll do and i think that match will draw because they've kept them apart long enough but i i really do think okada omega is the bigger match but uh but yeah so you get the title off naito here before g1 and i think it's good it's better to have the title on tanahashi in g1 because now when tanahashi loses his two or three matches they can be against random guys to set up title defenses at your king of pro wrestlings and your power struggles and your uh you know whatever those shows are at the back end of the year um, you know, and I think that works better for Tanahashi than it does for Naito. 
I agree. It's a good spot for Tanahashi to be in, and I think uh, at this point in his career and, and 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 what you're kind of doing with him, I think it's a little bit different. Like we talked about it a few months ago, you you don't have that feeling that Tanahashi's in the rear view of Okada at, at, at any point. You know what I mean? Like, and now winning the IC title again, that that's just firmly puts him, you know, a step below Okada or a step away from Okada, which is exactly what you want right now. You want Tanahashi to kind of be on his own little island, doing his own little thing or whatever, which is is, is perfect. But I thought uh, the way this worked and the way this match worked, which which full disclosure, I like this match better than I liked. Him. Omega and Okada, which I, I I don't know if I'm nuts for that, but there was just something about this match that just clicked with me, and I just loved it. And and I went and spoiled. I saw this match spoiled where I didn't see the other one spoiled, but there was just the the aura around Tanahashi and and the way he was working was was different than anything I've seen from out of Tanahashi almost ever. I mean, this was you know we talked about before about the heel Tanahashi. Remember you know those past few years where he'd work over a guy's knee and the crowd would kind of boo and he'd be like, oh you know whatever you know what are you booing me for? I'm just trying to. This was one where he didn't give a fuck what the fans thought about him. He was punching the guy with the closed fist. He spits on him at one point. Like, this is just a nutcase Tanahashi, and it just plays into the story that we're talking about where, you know, he's – He's a. There's two little things going on here. There's obviously Tanahashi, who's trying to get back a little respect. I mean, this guy's been kind of kicked down and 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 left for dead for the last you know few months, and and people kind of forgot about him. So he's kind of doing this little, hey, you know, I'm still here. I'm still you know Hiroshi fucking Tanahashi. So you know, you better know it. And the idea too that that Naito, he was upset at Naito for for disrespecting the belt. And one of my favorite spots in this entire match, and this is. Probably why I liked it even more is that Tanahashi gets to the top rope and he does the Shinsuke Nakamura, you know, finger thing or whatever, whatever you want to call it, and then hits a high fly flow or whatever. And that was absolutely a I'm taking this title back and I'm honoring the man who brought this title to prominence, Shinsuke Nakamura. Damn, man, you. I didn't even I didn't even notice that. Yeah, there was a few people that, that mentioned it and Jojo Running in a review great, got it too. That is just that is great stuff, and I gotta go back and watch that because that is Hiroshi Tanahashi, this guy. And you know what? And that, that was something that, because Kevin Kelly mentioned it the second it happened. You know what I always say when I listen to those English announcers? That's why I do like listening to them, is because I know that they have some sort of notes. I know they have something saying, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to, you, you know what I mean? Like, there's no way that Kevin Kelly in two seconds goes, oh, well, he's honoring Shinsuke. You know what I mean? Like, there's something in there where, where there's a note that says, this is probably going to happen, mention this thing or whatever. You know what I mean? So so knowing that going in and knowing that that was one of the central stories or whatever was was super cool. And the, and the fact that they mentioned it right away and then I was able to make that connection, oh, that's why he's doing it. But but it makes so much sense. I don't think I think if you go back and watch it even without the English commentary, you'll see it and you'll get the idea that that he's going up for the high five flow and going, you know what, fuck you for, for disrespecting this title, throwing it around, destroying it, doing all this sort of shit. I'm going to do a little nod to my, my buddy – who gave this title the, the the prominence and made this title mean something in this company, and you don't give a fuck about it. Yeah, his, his, and it like shit. really, his career rival, I mean, uh, yeah. before the Okada rivalry, it was Tanahashi Nakamura for many years. So, um, yeah, that that I didn't even pick up on that, that he did that. That just, uh, that's an added layer for me that I didn't even, I, I'll be honest, I whiffed on that. That's great stuff. That's just... That's why we watch this stuff for stuff right. like that. That little, I mean, that little four second thing or whatever was like, boom! I love this match. Like that, that right there. That was just enough for me to go, holy shit! This is awesome. Yeah, but yeah, it was a great match. I, I don't, I don't think you're off base at all saying it was better than the main event. I think I had both of them at four and three quarters, something like that. Um, you know, so you're flipping a coin. Um, I love the way it was worked. I love that it was worked like a fight. I love that Tanahashi wanted to you know, beat up this man and take back that title that this man had disrespected. And I think it just works better for the booking moving forward. A very well-booked show in a lot of ways, especially with the finishes and the decisions made in the semi-main event in the main. 
Uh, and then we had this match. It was Minoru Suzuki defeating Hiroki Goto in a lumberjack death match for the Never Openweight Championship. Joe, I hated this match, and uh, yeah, I didn't like it. I, I look, I never so like. I think lumberjack matches stink, and this, where you know, it's funny where the sixty-minute draw had none of the tropes of a sixty-minute draw. This had every trope. Of a <laughs> this was a bingo. Uh, this was a bingo game of of, of lumberjack lumberjack match tropes it was absolutely it was horrible i hate it i'd rather just see these two guys beat each other up i really don't need zach saber jr looking for someone to punch in the back as they're (laughs) brawling around the ring endlessly i mean this was just rinse repeat throw each other out of the ring the two factions brawl do it again and it's just it became monotonous this was 16 minutes that felt like 60 as opposed to the main event, which was 60 minutes that felt like 16. Yeah, this was like 18 minutes, uh, and it felt like it just lasted fucking forever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just, I, yeah. I don't know if I hated it as much as you. I didn't think it was, like, horrendous or anything, and I thought the finish was uh, was was very good and and very nasty and very brutal and all those sorts of things where uh, it looked like Goto was going to, you know, and then Suzuki with the god, you know, so all that worked for me. But the whole the stipulation just did not, and all of the brawling did not, and it was look. If nothing else, it was a change of pace. Um, I'll say that. But now I'm just searching for nice things to say. I you know I never want to see a lumberjack. The only lumberjack match ever was it Tanahashi and Devitt who had that really good lumberjack match in Cork and Hall. Yes, yeah, um, and I was actually about to reference that because I watched that match before uh, when I was doing the preview for this match for, for the website. So I was like, hey, let me let me go back and watch that. Now, A, the heat is off the charts because the, the way that this match was, was, was built, and if you remember, was Bullet Club, you know, their interference and their, you know, nefarious things or whatever was seen as such a different thing and such a, 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 a how are these guys doing? They're coming into the ring and using chairs. They're interfering. These, these fucking assholes, the nerve of these guys to come out here and do this. So this match was more of let's not let them interfere. Let's let it be a match that's in the ring. And if you watch that, the guys don't want to go outside the ring. The guys will get really close right. to the ropes and like not want to go out because they know that they're going to get their ass kicked if they fall. Whereas this was guys falling outside of the ring and getting their ass kicked all the time, which was, right. it was boring as shit. That and the two factions goes, brawling with each other. Exactly. That's stupid. This one was, the factions didn't brawl, but it was more of like Devitt not wanting to go outside because he didn't know what the guys were going to do. And Tanahashi absolutely, no matter what, was not going to go outside that ring. He was grabbing out of the ropes with every you know fiber of his being saying, I cannot fall down to the ring because these assholes aren't going to get me in the ring. They're going to beat the fuck out of me. And right. that was a better story than this, which was just, like you said, brawling and guys going out of the ring and getting beaten up. That was stupid. Yeah. I think I think Suzuki and Goto worked hard and, and they tried and um... – I, I like the closing stretch, but yeah, the stipulation can go kick rocks. I never, I never want to see another lumberjack match again because I've seen one good lumberjack match in my entire life. <laughs> so why would I ever? What about want to lumberjack see this? death matches though? This is a lumberjack death match though. Does that count? Yes. Uh, well, I think that New Japan just loves throwing death <laughs> in different stipulations. So they uh, do. We, we found out quite a few in our preview that uh, there was a you know. Um, Strap death matches and just like cage death matches and none of those were death matches. I want them to bring back the deep sleep to lose match. Deep sleep to lose, yeah, that was a, that was a great one. Yeah, the, was that? that was, was just that, last uh, man standing. That was just last man standing, right? What was that? Tenzan and Makabe at WrestleMania. That was, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was somebody. And yeah, uh, I, I think it was those two. I think it was maybe Azuka. Maybe it was Azuka. Oh God, it was Azuka, wasn't it? Oh my. And God. Uh, what was that? Wrestle Kingdom six or something like that? And uh, no, I think it was Wrestle Kingdom seven actually, which is is. Am I right? No, there's no way it was. Okay. I don't know. It was like 2010 or 11 or something like that. But uh, you had to like you had to put the other guy to sleep, and Tenzon won it with the Anaconda device, right? Wasn't that the deal? 
See, now I don't remember that one yet. Let me – I have to look. I don't know. I don't you remember. have to look it up now. That's what we do here. Uh, okay, Tenzan Azuka. It was – oh, it's that abortion of a – it was that 2011 Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom 5. Yeah. With what, the TNA, Jeff Hardy? With the, yeah, with all the, the, the TNA the dudes. Jeff yeah. Hardy-Naito match, which was <laughs> shit. <laughs> God, that was bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, deep sleep to lose. The match can only be won by choking the opponent unconscious. So you had to choke him unconscious. That's you right. Couldn't just, it wasn't a last man standing match. You had to choke him. So it was a deep yeah. sleep to lose match. So Yeah. Well, yeah. Beer money on that. Yeah, beer money, muscle orchestra, and bad intentions. Yeah. yeah three-way tag. That, that was very good. No, I don't. I don't remember, and I'm, I think um, I'm okay with that. So. <laughs> that was not a good show. That's not one to uh... – That was Kojima Tanahashi, right? Uh, correct, yeah. Now, that match I went back and watched about, I don't know, three, four months ago. Go back and watch that. That's an excellent little match. I'll tell you. I call it a little match, but made event at Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, <laughs> that was an excellent match. And I'll tell you, that sort of represented – that was the last – that was the that was Kojima's last stand as a main eventer. That the was last it. gasp. Yeah, the last you really. Yeah. He had that one placeholder title challenge of, I think, Okada, right? During Okada's first or second reign. Yeah, I forgot what show. One of my favorite one of my favorite Okada matches ever. But, yeah, there was like that one little one-off. It was on some random ass – I forgot. It was on Kazuna Road or one of those kind yeah, of shows. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. But uh, but but really, that Kojima match is representative of this was a longtime main eventer, All Japan, New Japan, you know, one of the, you know, double champion at one point, and obviously my personal one of my personal favorite wrestlers. And in hindsight, you know, at, at the time, you how would you have known, right? So it didn't have the same impact. But watching that match in hindsight, knowing that's his last stand, really the the last, you know big match that the man would ever wrestle. And he's still a great wrestler six years later, but you know, he's just been moved down, but I would recommend, I, cause you probably don't remember much about that match at all. And I'll be completely honest. I didn't either, but man, that is, that, that is a heck of a match. That Kojima Tanahashi match. Yeah. I'll have to go back and check it out. Cause yeah, I don't, I don't know if I really remember and it's that much. Tiny- I've seen it. I've seen it before, but yeah, I don't remember much from it. Yeah. And it was an important match for Tanahashi. I mean, that kicked off his long, his signature title reign was kicked off. Yeah. With that win, uh, you know, beating Kojima and Kojima coming back to New Japan and winning the title and all those things. That was a big deal at the time, you know, and, and um, you know, maybe people who didn't jump on board until 2012, which is probably the case for a good chunk of our listeners, don't know that Kojima was a really big fucking deal, you know, and, um, you know, that's an interesting match to go back and watch in hindsight. Uh, let's move on with this Dominion show. Uh, Kushida versus Hiromu Takahashi. This is for the, of course, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Kushida defeats Hiromu Takahashi to win back the title. Uh, Joe, thoughts on Kushida winning the title back? I didn't like. I didn't like that Kushida won. I know. I get the story makes sense and all that, but Rich, you know, I love my mega pushes, and um, this represented the end of a mega push for Hiromu. Um, I know the counter argument is where does Kushida go from there if he loses? I don't know. What does he disintegrate into fucking – what does he spontaneously combust? He would have been fine. What's going to happen to Kushida? He's Kushida. You know, he could have absorbed a loss here. You could have continued to tell the story of Hiromu being this dominant force that no one can topple. I get the idea of Kushida going – you know, losing in 90 seconds and then going on a losing streak and then coming back to win best of Super Juniors and then coming back to win his title – and that is a good story too, even though it might be a little, uh, you know, we've seen it before sort of thing. But Hiromu winning and still beating this guy again would have been a good story also. And that would have been the one that I told. 
Um, as far as the match goes, obviously it was another great match. I think Hiromu has been the second best wrestler in the world this year to Okada and, um, he delivered again. So, um, I, I, I love the match. I wasn't thrilled with the winner. Yeah, and Joe Gagne and I talked about this last week because we, we were really conflicted because neither of us wanted Hiromu to win, but you kind of tell the story of Kushida, you know, on his road to redemption or whatever, and it just kind of, I don't know, it, it, it seemed kind of weird if he would do that road to redemption and then just lose again to Hiromu. Like, you're saying, I, I know what you're saying, though. He's not like it would, it, it would completely destroy Kushida, but when you tell the story and it's sort of, the way that they told the story was, it just seemed impossible that Kushida would go there and then bomb and then not win or whatever. So, yeah, I... I I was kind of resigned to the fate that he was going to win. I don't really like it either because I thought Hiromu was just so good in the role. And I think he's, he's, the long game is he's going to win the title back again. And, and if that is the long game, then I feel like, like you said, the mega push, just let the guy win again. Just let the guy be the man and solidify himself as the man. But I, I know why they did it and I, I understood it. But yeah, I'm not in love with it either. But the match I thought was really good. And I thought uh, Kushida being aggressive the entire time, like we talked about Hiroshi Tanahashi, where where Tanahashi the entire time is, is playing up that he's pissed, that he's he's aggressive or whatever. I like that Kushida did the kind of the same thing in this match as well and beat Hiromu at his own game in a lot of ways and 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 was the more aggressive, more dynamic wrestler on this night. But but it was cool, too, because Hiromu, you know, in the first few minutes, wanted to beat Kushida in a minute again because he's like, cool, you know, I did this before to you. I can do it again. And once Kushida blew through that plateau or whatever or was able to kind of get through that wall, then it was kind of cool to watch him then be the aggressor and go, okay, now I'm getting revenge for you beating me that quickly or whatever. So I didn't think Hiromu lost anything in defeat, but yeah, in the end, I I, I would have been fine if, if Hiromu I think he did lose something in defeat. I think, I think, look, look, I don't think he, he you know, he, he buried or anything like that. I'm not going to, but, but I do think that, 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 Is there like an aura thing that's missing from you yes, now? Yes, you can only do that mega push. You, you, once it ends, it's over. You see what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. yeah, when, okay. when Asuka loses, it's over. You know, it, you can't recreate that. This was this was his, and 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 I, I just like that sort of thing. I love Asuka's push. I love Hiromu's push that he just. I love what they're doing with Okada. I love the mega push because I really don't think pro wrestling is complicated. Pick someone charismatic. Pick someone who's really good, and just have them beat everybody. I mean, that's really all you need to do to make stars. And uh, it's it's really not sending rockets to the moon. And and it's I'm just disappointed that it ended this quickly. Maybe maybe that's my problem is that it ended this quickly. Um, but really, yeah, I get it. Yeah, ha- if you're gonna do that, tell the story with Kushida. I guess you have to see it through. Um, Bushi came out and made the challenge. And look, I did not see the best of the Super Juniors match that Kushida and Bushi had. People tell me they blew the roof off the place and had an incredible match. So people are excited about. Now look. And the and in the building, people were super hyped for Bushi blowing that mist in Kushida's face. Yeah, crowd went nuts. Crowd went nuts for it. But the problem I have is their matches last year were just mired with interference and, and Los and Gobernobles bullshit. And I'm sorry, but I'm not looking forward to it. Maybe when I go back and watch the Kushida Bushi match from Super Juniors that everyone claims was so phenomenal, I'll change my tune. But I see Bushi come in and make a challenge when you have Ricochet on the roster and Willow Spray on the roster. And I, I don't know. I like Bushi. He's okay. Um, but I just – I don't know. I'm just so tired of Kushida against LIJ. I mean can we do something different? Um, you know, and I, I get – you can't do Osprey because Kushida owns Osprey. He always beats him. That's a terrible story. Uh, and I know Ricochet just had a title match against Hiromu. And maybe it has to be Bushi. And now that I see that it's in Corican Hall, I'm not as negative on it because it's just a – it's a Corican Hall main event and it's a cool main event and all that. And and. and they're not going to blow it as you know a major show defense. So that I'm a, I'm a little 
less annoyed by it than I was before, but I don't know. I'm just worn out on Kushida versus Bushi with the yeah, full di- with the full disclosure of I didn't see this. Did you see this great match that everybody's uh, talking about? I did about? not. I, I also did not. Yeah, I was kind of. I've been pretty busy myself, so no. That that's one that I unfortunately did not see. And I, I'm going to try to see it though before I. I, I Rich, here's my fear. Yeah. It's just going to be Bushy blowing mist and evil yeah. running in, and I don't want. I'm tired of that shit, and that's my fear. Um, you know, and I just, you know, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, yeah, it just, it didn't move the needle for me. But it appears as though I'm in the clear minority. People on Twitter are excited about it, and the people in the building just exploded. So the people want to see it. So what does Jolanza know? Yeah, yeah, hey, that's that's yeah. Maybe I'm sick of Bushi, but they clearly weren't because they were excited about it too. Right. So uh, yeah, we'll see. But at least that, I mean, they played it up because Bushi got the pin a little bit earlier in the show. So yes. at least they did that. But yeah, it seems a little too early to just go back to it. And maybe not too early to go back to Bushi, but it's just like yeah, like you're saying, there's so much talent on the roster that's like ah, Bushi again. Like come on, man. Like there's so many of these other guys that would be cool to get it, but. It is what it is. So uh, move on. We'll kind of get through the rest of the card here uh, relatively quick because I don't think there's a ton else to uh, really break down here. Uh, Cody defeating Michael Elgin. So this uh, foretold uh, Cody getting involved in the main event here. Uh, the match itself, eh, eh, Cody. It's just a Cody three star match. I mean, yeah. you know, it's 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 Cody. Yeah, that's that's. And you know, Elgin's <laughs> capable of more than this, and Cody's fine. But what, that's what Cody is. He's fine. Cody. You know? It's just Cody. That's and, and it's uh, and you know, it's. I do like the fact that Cody has won a bunch of singles matches. He beat Juice Robinson. He beat Michael Elgin. He beat who else? Did he beat. I know he won another one. Uh, didn't it, uh, David Finley? David Finley. So um, they didn't build him for this title match by just having him in six mans. I like that they had him in singles matches, winning singles matches, and beating a guy like Michael Elgin is a very credible guy to beat as your final stepping stone. Michael Elgin as a gatekeeper is just fine. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's good booking. So um, the booking I think is fine, and we can get more into Cody Okada when we talk about Long Beach, I guess. But this was not a match that you're ever going to want to watch again in your life. It was, nope. But there's nothing wrong with it either. But no, isn't that just, Cody? It, it happened, Cody. and it was over, and then it's done, and then you'll never think about it again. So. Uh, Grills of Destiny defeating War Machine to win back the IWGP Tag Team titles. Joe, I'll ask you first, uh, thoughts on Gorillas of Destiny win the title back, and then what did you think of the match? Uh, the tag team titles are an afterthought, as usual. Um, I, I like Gorillas of Destiny. You know I'm a big fan of them now. Um, you know, War Machine, uh, it was nice to give them a little run. Um, I, these two teams have, have some pretty decent chemistry and and they they had some decent matches together i'm just glad it wasn't a three-way how about that because i'll tell you i've been so out of the loop i turned this show on i didn't know what the card was i didn't know what i was about to watch i didn't know the card other than like the top three matches so i had no idea if like tenkoji was in this match i didn't know what was going on so i was just glad it was a straight up tag match and they had a nice little 10-minute world tag team title match. I had no problem with this match. It was a lot of fun. Uh, move on to the uh, tag team title, or the, the IWGP Junior tag team titles. Uh, it was the Young Bucks defeating Rapongi Vice. He had another title change here. Uh, the Bucks getting it back. This was like a mortal lock. I mean, Joe Gagne, I think I put it at 99% that the Bucks, I and mean, the Bucks were going to walk into Long Beach with those fucking titles. And, and there was no doubt in our mind whatsoever. Right. But it kind of sucked because Rapongi Vice had a really good run and had, have had a really good year in terms of in-ring. I think Beretta... 
Uh, you've mentioned this time and time again, but but uh, it needs to be reiterated again because Beretta's just been killing it. I mean, he has had an incredible year uh, in the ring, so it kind of sucks in, in one respect because Rapongi Vice was doing a lot of good stuff with the titles, but you knew the Bucks were going to win, and you know why the Bucks were going to win, so it's hard to get super upset about it. It, it. it makes I understand the business behind it. I'm not upset about it at all, and this match fucking ruled. I mean, this was an incredible match. I mean... I love the Wrestle Kingdom match, and I love the story they told at Wrestle Kingdom, where you know, uh, you know, Beretta was taken out, Rocky was fighting on his own, and and uh, and that whole story, the the Rocky Romero redemption story, how he was blowing it time and time again for Rapongi Vice, and he had a chance to redeem himself at Wrestle Kingdom, and he did, and that was awesome, and and I, I love that match. And then this match, they had another great match, and I thought it was even better than the Wrestle Kingdom match. And, Rich, it was a completely different kind of match. Rich, this was the Young Bucks working like the fucking Midnight Express. I mean, they just – this was just – this was a southern tag in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They just beat the shit out of Beretta for like a solid seven or eight minutes. Didn't let Rocky get in the ring ever, yeah. And, and, and yeah, and they were cutting off the ring, and they were like, I mean, you know what this was? This was the Young Bucks taking a shot at the Revival. They got this little internet feud going. They worked it like the fucking Revival. <laughs> this match was so good. It showed that the Bucks can work that style. And this is the kind of match where if you don't like the Young Bucks or you're not into the Bucks, and I get why people might not be, this is the Young Bucks match that people who don't like the Young Bucks will love. This was just – this was totally different than what they usually do. Trent was out of this world as a babyface in peril. And he's having such a great year and he's doing it and he's doing it with selling. That's the thing. Trent, it, whether it's taking wild bumps in ladder matches or whether it's taking that crazy entrance, uh, entrance ramp bump at Wrestle Kingdom or whether it's selling his ass off playing Ricky Morton in a match like this, Trent is having – a top 20 year worldwide and he's doing it by selling. I mean, you don't see that. I mean, this guy is, he's a throwback this year. This guy has been so good. I mean, I can't say every match that Trent is in this year. He's the best person in the match and he's not in there working with slouches. This guy, I cannot say enough about the year this guy is having and he's doing it in a completely non-traditional way. This guy, I, 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 I don't know. He's, he's just a great pro wrestler, and he doesn't get it, you know. And sometimes I get it. He's, you know, he comes off as a little. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it just a little blasé sometimes? It looks like he's bored. It looks like he's not totally into it, and that kind of fits his person. But this is a guy who has worked his fucking ass off this year, and has just done tremendous work in this tag team. Oh man, I did. I love this match. I I don't know if you knew I was going to be as excited. No, as I, I didn't. About this yeah, match. I'm glad you are. It was it was fun. I don't think I liked it at quite the level you did, but no, I thought it was. I thought it was super well worked and and just a great story all around. I love the idea of you know Rocky getting cut off and and it just helps build that little. We know that eventually that that story of Trent and Rocky is going to happen, but I like the idea that it's going to just keep getting it keeps boiling over, keeps boiling over, and then maybe. You know, they pull it back, and maybe they pull it back a little bit again. You know what I mean? Like, because we thought it was going to happen again, like five months ago. Oh, Trent's definitely going to turn on Rocky, and and you know we didn't. And it might just be a thing where for a while, for months, maybe even years, they have this thing where it's always, you know, the the two kind of Trent always sort of looking at Rocky, like, ah, oh, come on, man. But then they get it, th- they get through, and they 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 you know rally together and do it or whatever. But no, I thought that was uh, a really creative match, and yeah, I thought the Bucks really showed themselves too as, as just being solid 
workers here because the, the Bucks are usually you know people criticize them for just being you know move hounds and they just did this. This is absolutely. I mean, if, if you still think the Bucks are just these you know spot monkey dudes or whatever, I mean they're not. I mean this is not 2011 PWG Young Bucks. These are a much smarter tag team now, and this match was just great evidence of that as well. Yeah, I think that this was the best possible. Like it, it's because the Bucks they worked a traditional tag team match. And on top of that, they still managed to work in all of their super athletic, wacky stuff on top of it. I can't say enough good things about this match. Um, this, this, you know, and I love the. I think I was the high man on the Wrestle Kingdom match. I just think these teams have great matches. They they've told great stories in both of the matches. And uh, you know, I can't say enough about Trent. I can't say enough about this match. I don't mind the title switch at all. I mean, with these titles, we've talked about it, Rich. Who cares? I mean, yeah. the one thing that annoys me, though, I'll tell you what annoys me. It annoys me that Rapongi Vice did that quickie switch with the Suzuki Gun team in between, because it really. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Why? Yeah. Man, it, how cool would it have been if this was just? Oh, what did they do? <laughs> I forgot that that even happened. Yeah, I mean, did we need that? Nobody needed that. Okay. It would have been just a cool continuation of the story if the Bucks just got their titles back now, six months later, as opposed to Rapongi Vice trading them with the Suzuki Gun team. That is frustrating. It's the frustrating uh, booking of both of the tag divisions, really. Um, uh, and and uh, so that would have, you know, but that's, it's, it's, look, it's, it's, it, look, you forgot about it because of how insignificant and stupid it was. <laughs> I didn't I even mean, remember, yeah. You know, but it, it's like you remember the Wrestle Kingdom match because it was good and told that great story. But yeah, man, my God, did I love this. And they're going to have another match, right? Don't they have a, uh, are they headlining Cork? Are that, is that one of the three Cork and main events? Um, or am I, I wrong about that? I'm wrong about that, I think. It's, I don't uh, think so. Yeah, I don't think they're 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 in. Anyway. Oh yeah, never mind. I think they're doing that at. Uh, they're at one of the. Um, that in Long Beach is where they're doing right. That. They're, they're July second in Long Beach. Which... I'm looking forward to that, man. But we'll get to that. Uh, well, speaking of titles that don't matter in a match that didn't really matter whatsoever, is the never open weight six man tag title gauntlet thing. Uh, whatever, Lij won. Um, that's all you probably need to know about this match. Yeah, I mean, this was a waste of a lot of talent. In my opinion, <laughs> just this look, parade of really good guys in just an utterly meaningless match. Yeah, the Wrestle Kingdom match was better than this. Um, uh, the similar Wrestle Kingdom match I thought was better than this one because I thought uh, um, Ricochet and Willow Spray just carried that Wrestle Kingdom match. You didn't have Willow Spray here. Um, actually, did you? No, he wasn't in this, right? Yeah, he wasn't no, here. No, he wasn't. I, this was such a cluster. I don't even remember who was in it. But um, yeah, so uh, I guess Lij won them back, right? Were they champions come in? I uh, they, they came in. They they retained. They retained. Oh, they retained. So, okay. One of the when rare... did they win them back? When did I miss that? Oh yeah, they. Um, when did they win those back? Um, junior, junior, Super Junior Finals or something? Or I, yeah, I forgot the exact show that it was, but yeah, it had that, to be a show I didn't see. Um, we haven't seen any shows, so that's not too hard to find a show. Yeah, so it had to be within like the last six weeks, but uh, <laughs> whatever, man. This was all a blur. It was stupid. A complete waste of Zack Sabre Jr. and Sonata and and, uh, and 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 Tomohiro Ishii and Ricochet. And it just, I mean, this is the kind of thing where I always say, you don't have to shoehorn everybody onto a show. Give them the night off. You know what I mean? It's like, is it going to kill you if Tomohiro Ishii doesn't work this match? I mean, seriously. Can you put Jado in the match instead of Tomohiro Ishii, and it, would it would it affect the thing, you know? So uh, so yeah, I don't know. This was just a nothing match and did nothing for me, and um, whatever. Yep. And then uh, another match that uh, I don't think we have much to talk about: Kogi Makabe, Yuji Nagata, Tiger Mask W, and Tiger Mask defeating Tenzan, Kojima, Nakanishi, and Jushin Thunder Liger. I I don't know. Fine, but would it kill them? <laughs> to give Tiger 
Tiger Mask W and Tiger Mask, like a junior tag title shot. Oh, or something. dude, I've been saying that for a while. Give it, put them in the, they can do the heavyweight title. Heavyweight tag title. You know what? Yeah, I've I said it in my preview. I've said it a lot, a long time. They got to do some of those guys. I mean, you got Kotobushi there, and and I know that he doesn't want to be in a prominent spot. I know whatever, but yeah, do something with him. I mean, him in, in just being one of eight guys, and everybody else being, you know. 60 years old and it being Kodobush. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't get what they're going. They're what they're I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, you, you, you see, you give a little placeholder title defense to gorillas of destiny or something against tiger mask W and tiger mask. You do it as a semi-main event in Cork and hall, or you do it fourth from the top at whatever the fuck Kazuna road or something. It, it's something different. You know, but when it comes to the tag team titles, there's just it just this Gato does not think outside the box like that, and it just it's one of his uh, warts, I believe, as a booker, and one of his weak points. He just it's isn't it odd to you that a guy who made his career as a tag team wrestler gives no fucks about tag teams? Yeah, it's so is weird. That, yeah. Is that weird to you? Or, he's a or, junior, he's a junior tag guy, and like doesn't know how to do anything with juniors. I mean, he's, he's gotten it now finally after, after so many years, but yeah, junior tags, he has no clue. And, and heavyweight tags, he's got absolutely no, he just doesn't care. I mean, it's, it's, it's very obvious. He does not care. Um, and, 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 you know, I I get it. You can't really knock what he's done with the top of his cards. And in terms of building the IC and never titles, and it looks like he's doing the same with the junior title now, but he just, this is a guy who just, totally disregards his, his tag teams and it's, never thinks outside the box when it comes to utilizing like this is a it's a cool little team tiger mask and tiger mask w you can give them a one-off title shot or something it would you know what i mean i don't know i just it's a little frustrating it's it, it is indeed strange and then uh the opener here there's the uh, premium did you watch the dark match the lions oh okay, god yeah. i loved it yeah it was it great was, uh, you had finley oka and uminu against kawatu uh kitamura and yagi and i just want to say yagi that dude's awesome he's gonna be great i mean all oh these guys, my god like, you're right on the same page as me this guy just looks like a star okay okay so it was like within three minutes it was like the same thing that i've had with like ben k or whatever yagi yeah. went out and he did something and then screamed and i was like dude he's got it he knows what he's doing now he's behind the other ones in terms of his work because I guess he's oh yeah, well I mean, he's like eighteen, right? He's super young, right? I don't know, how, I don't know his age. But I'm pretty sure just... Yagi's super young. Yeah, he just started. He's like two weeks in. You know, he's one of those dudes that's like. But he looks like a star. I don't know yeah, anything oh, yeah, else about him. I think he started while I've been on my hiatus, but he looks like a star. And the one thought that I had watching this, well, I had two thoughts. One thought was he's actually he twenty-five. A... He's actually twenty-five. Well, yeah, he looked that, a little so. older. I don't. He didn't strike me as a kid. But um, the two thoughts I had watching this were one. They got to shit or get off the pot with David Finley. I mean, he's yeah, not back to work in dark matches with the young boys. That was he, the entire theme of our preview. Was just like, ah, dude, like, what's going on here, buddy? Now, look, if you don't think anything, look, if you never want to push him, fine. Uh, cut him loose, do something, send him on an excursion. The only reason this guy even got a modicum of a push is because Matt Seidel got arrested. I mean, other than that, he, you know, this would have been continued to be, you know, so he had six months of an enhanced slot because he got all Matt Seidel's bookings. And now he's right back to where he started. I mean, you know, I like the guy and I feel bad for him to some extent. And it's like, do something, send them away, do something with him. He's just redundant. What's his, what's the point of having this guy around? The other thought I had watching this match was it is, you know, there was this weird thing a couple years ago and it was started by Dave Meltzer. And, you know, I don't mean to bash Dave because I totally saw where he was coming from. 
But he was saying how WWE was so far ahead of everyone else in the world, including New Japan, in terms of developing talent because of this great performance center. And, uh, you know, they've got 100 people training at once. It's going to be this great boon for the future. I'm sorry. We said it at the time. We were skeptical. New Japan is kicking WWE's ass in terms of development talent. It's not even close. I mean, they're, they're lapping them. They're circling them. Whatever phrase you want to use. I'm watching this match. And these guys are so far ahead of every homegrown person that comes out of the performance center that it, it's comical. Rich, it's laughable how far ahead these guys are living in this uh, fucking dojo, this dingy dojo, working out in this ring in this sweaty fucking gym, doing things like it's 1972, and they're producing – With my company's 25-year-old equipment too. <laughs> exactly. Compared to a multi-million equipment as old as shit that they're using. Compared to this multi-million dollar performance center, which is just churning out shit, churning out averages best wrestlers. And look, I know that they have different games here. New Japan is trying to produce wrestlers. WWE is trying to produce stars. I totally get it. But what stars are they producing? What stars is this performance center pumping out? Okay? They're failing on that end too. Okay, so they're not producing good wrestlers. They're not producing stars. It's a failure. The performance center has been a failure, and it's been how many, it's been over like four years now. So I don't want to hear it. Meanwhile, out of this dojo, these guys—they're not just pumping out good worker after good worker after good worker. Rich, these guys all have charisma, and in their stupid black tights, and with their stupid haircuts, and with their stupid no knee pads, and working their stupid openers, they all have more character and charisma than yeah. these guys. WWE's pumping out, and the WWE guys are spending hours inside a promo class and learning how to walk to the ring and learning how to project themselves, and it's still getting them nowhere okay and new japan's still kicking their ass in that regard so what the hell does wwe do better than these guys when it comes to churning out talent off the street if it wasn't for plucking guys out of the indies and stealing guys internationally what would nxt be producing nothing the performance center is a giant bust and this they need to do a new japan they need to send their people to the new japan dojo I'm telling you, these guys, these guys aren't just great workers. They've got charisma. Harai Kawato is the biggest dork going. The guy's a nerd, but he's got more charisma and more character and more heart and more fight than anybody coming out of the performance center. Hey, he's making that work. He's making the nerd thing he's work. He's making it work. And, I, and you know, I, I, I argued with Semper Vivi when he came on the show. I said, look, Harai Kawato, look, he's got some heart. People like to get behind him. And, you know, he's he's a decent little worker and he tries hard, but I think there's a ceiling there. And Semp told me, hey, you know, I don't know. You know, this guy could – you don't know. He could become a star. And I thought Semp was nuts. You know what I mean? And we had a friendly debate about it. But I think he was right. That, this Kawato could be a star, and it's crazy. The guy's a dork. He, he, he was 170 pounds when he showed up. He's cross-eyed. He has a terrible haircut. He has a terrible look. But my God, Rich, does this guy connect with a crowd or what? I mean, this guy has a crowd connection that you cannot teach. You can't teach what this guy has. Will you look at Oka? You look at Kitamura. If Kitamura oh, is, is going to be a star. He, that oh, come on. I mean, it, it, this guy's going to be working main events at some point. You look at this Yagi that we just talked about. I mean, the guy just jumps off the page. So they did a chop and scream, and it was already like, okay, yep. <laughs> like, yeah. You can so just I'm, tired of, yeah. 
I'm tired of this shit that people talk about. Well, yeah, they're producing great wrestlers, but they're, you know, WWE's making the, I, I don't buy it. I even see these guys, you know, surpassing these, these PC trainees in terms of charisma and projecting themselves. And most importantly, connecting with crowds, these young lions, it's progressive class. They have crowd connection. They have better crowd connection than the one before. And it's just getting, you know, with, with each class, it, it gets, gets stronger and stronger. And I made this point to Semp, and I want to present it to you. I really think this is by design. I think New Japan understands that this is the – I think they're presenting these young lions in different ways than they ever have in the past. And I think that they're – they're, they're, this is by design. They want these guys to connect with the crowd sooner. It's not like the old days where they would just send them out there for six minutes to have a functional match and work in front of a crowd. They want these guys to develop. Look at Kawato. His story is always the same. He's this feisty guy, and when he loses, he wants to he, he wants to go after the guys that beat him, and his veteran partners have to hold him back. And and you know you know he he does this thing with Liger where you know Liger's in total control, but he begs to tag in, and then he loses the match and Liger just looks at him like ah oh, come on not again it's like they, they, they're doing and Kitamura with the flexing and the and the spray on tan and and and, and Which is the size I, of a fucking house too I mean that's yeah that. and it's but the thing is Rich they never let these guys do that in the past they made them wait before they allowed them to they made them wait before they let them grow their hair out and you don't even have to go back far to, that far to see it look at Tanaka and Kamatsu and how long it took before they let those guys spread their wings a little bit it took them two three years Years before they let those guys spread their wings, and those guys were, you know, were, were great wrestlers. By the time they let them go, I don't know. I am so excited about this batch of young. I'm telling you, there are two or three major stars in this group minimum, and I don't know which ones it's going to be. And I tell you, man, I thought Kawato would just be a, like a cult thing and a guy that would stick around for many years and maybe be a Taguchi type. I don't know. This guy could be a star for all I know because I don't I don't know if I've seen a young lion connect with crowds the way that this guy does. And it, it's from such an unlikely – So I never thought, never thought that this guy would develop in this way. There you go. That's Joe's young lion, right? But no, I'm I'm right with you too. I mean, these guys. I think more than anything, it's the charisma that these guys are showing right away. And and I thought that that's been the biggest. As we talk about the evolution of the young lions and how they've kind of progressed and grown or whatever, there was a better crop of like workers it, when it was the the, the Kama, you know Tanaka and Kamatsu and and White and all those sort of guys or whatever. But this is just like similar to Dragon Gate. It's like you look at this this group of guys. And like the Komatsu and Tanaka and White or whatever, I thought all those guys were good, but like the ceiling for all those guys, I was like, yeah, good worker, you know, mid-card guy. They're, the ceiling on this unit that they have right now, this group of guys, I mean, there were two or three dudes in here that that – and that's not counting Kawatu, who, who just has this insane connection, like you're saying. I'm not counting him. But there were like two or three guys here that I look at and I go, yeah, these dudes can be stars. Like Kitamura and Yagi jump off the page at you right away. Kitamura, uh, absolutely. Uh, Oka, I know they're trying with Oka. I think he's fallen kind of behind. And I think that's a testament, too, to how good these new guys are that are coming in because you have Uminu and, and Yagi who are already passing up Oka, who's you know only been there for a year and is also good in his own right, Oka. It's just like it's they, they have a, a, a they're filthy rich right now in terms of young talent. It's amazing. These dudes are going to just kill it. And that's they haven't even brought back Kamatsu and Tanaka. You know what I mean? Like they have that in their back pocket and Jay White. Like those dudes haven't even come back yet, and it's just like, yeah, it's it's incredible. And circling back to the point, and I I really don't mean to bury Meltzer, but it, it it we were skeptical. 
this was from two or three years ago when the PC was I open and all changed, that. I think he's changed his tune on that, though. I I, I saw him recently say something about I, I don't know if the tweet in front of me, but I'm almost positive he did mention something about that. Yeah, so, I mean, New Japan is just doing more with less, and, and they yeah. hit at a much higher percentage, and now they're at the point where they're producing guys who are charismatic and not just these stoic you know, worker type. I mean, it's just and it, 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 it's really been impressive what they've been able to do. All right. Uh, anything else on Dominion? Who? who what homegrown? <laughs> no, I want to ask you. Like, yeah. who am I? What homegrown performance center it connects with crowds the way that Harai Kawatu does? Um, Forget about Kit Demora or Oka. Yeah, or the yeah, other. yeah. I mean, I guess the, the guys you could bring up are you know, or, or guys or girls. I mean, Charlotte maybe Braun Strowman maybe. Um, they don't have that same. They don't have the organic connection though, and I think that's a big difference. That people genuinely are rooting for these guys and generally want these people to succeed. You know, Kawatu, there's that build of, of success. And that's, that's well, who's, the there now? who's there now? Who is on NXT oh, God. TV I mean, right Jesus now? Christ, nobody. I mean, other than, yeah, I mean, nobody. I mean, who's on NXT TV now? It's Hideo Itami and, 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 and Robert Roode. Tito Sepatelli. No, I mean, yeah, there, there's really, honestly, and, yeah. I mean, and, and, and Roderick Strong. And they get no credit for that. Rich, me and you could do that. We, yeah, we, yeah, we you can get no credit us. for saying, here's Roderick Strong, he is good. There you go, the end. Yeah, that's, so that. what the fuck is happening in that performance set? What's happening there? What are they doing? What are they accomplishing there? You know what it is? It's, 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 a, it's a place where you learn how to walk down a fucking ramp is what it is. This is why all of these wrestlers send their kids to Japan first. I, I, you know, and then they go to finishing school and learn how to walk down a ramp. Right. I mean, that's what it is. It's a place where you learn how to walk down a ramp, and you fucking wa- and you stare at your watch until they call you up. That's what it is. That's all that gets done down there. You know, it's a place where they take bodybuilding. It's a place where they pump out Baron Corbin. What the fuck is Baron Corbin besides middling and average in every fucking way? You know what I mean? It's just a place where you go. Uh, to learn how to throw a hip toss and bide your time until you get called up. No one's making a crowd connection down there. It's 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 it's, it's a multi-million dollar bust, is what it is. Yeah, it, it's uh, I don't know. I'm all, I'm fired up. <laughs> That's good. We need, that, we need that fired up. But uh, let's get to some other stuff here uh, before we get out. Uh, New Japan G1 special in Long Beach. We have the cards and Joe. There is some controversy going on. So let's break down these cards here real quick, and then we'll talk about them in a little bit more detail. Uh, you start off July 1st. We have the full card for July 1st. We don't have an entire card for July 2nd because uh, there could be some tournament matches going on and, and, and different things like that, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll break those down in a sec. So we got July 1st here. Uh, Rapongi Vice will operate in the Briscoes versus the Young Bucks, Marty Scroll, Yudro Takahashi, and Bad Luck Fale. Uh, you got Titan, Dragon Lee, Volador Jr., and Jushin Thunder Liger versus Evil, Bushi, Sonata, Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, you have the U.S. title tournament match, and we'll break down that entire uh, bracket here in a bit. But uh, first opening match, you have Jay Lethal versus Hangman and Page. Also for the U.S. Uh, title, you got Juice Robinson versus Zack Sabre Jr., uh, you got David Finley, Jay White, Kushida, and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Sho Tanaka, Yohei Kamatsu, Yoshitatsu, and Billy Gunn. So Tanaka and Yu Kamatsu uh, return in, in some form or fashion to the company, which will be And Yoshitatsu. Cool. Tanaka, Kamatsu, and Yoshitatsu. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you this. Does Billy Gunn pin Tanahashi in that match? Uh, I bet he does. And Jay White's in that match, too. So they bring yeah, so he, Jay he, White back as well. Yep. So um, Billy Gunn. You think Billy Gunn pins Tanahashi? Uh, no, he probably pins David Finley, right? They're not going to have Tanahashi lose. But Billy Gunn scored a pin. Wait, does that team see? 
that's the thing. Does that team win with Tanaka? Yeah, that, shit. that team is really shit. Tanaka, Kamatsu, and Yoshitatsu. But this is sort of Tanaka and Kamatsu's sort of return. Yeah, uh, They're not young boys anymore. Yoshitatsu never wins, but you do have Finley on the other side to lose. But does a team with Kushida and Tanahashi lose to a team with Tanaka, Kamatsu, yeah, Yoshitatsu, and Billy Gunn? Yeah, I don't know. But but here's the thing. If they don't, then how do you build to Billy Gunn, Tanahashi right. the next night? You see, it's a tricky deal. So um, I don't know what you do there. I guess maybe... Uh, Yoshitatsu or whoever takes the pin and then Gun and Tanahashi just have a stare down. I don't know what they do. Um, here's what's weird. How on earth have we come to this point where I'm breaking down Tanahashi? <laughs> How is this happening? We'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, a little bit more detail here. Uh, July 1st again, we have the IWGP tag title match. You got the Grills of Destiny defending their titles against War Machine. So a, uh, a rematch from what we saw at Dominion. Uh, other US title tournament matches, uh, Tomohiro Ishii versus Naito. Uh, that has all the makings to be the match of the night. And then you also have U.S. title tournament match, Michael Elgin versus Kenny Omega, also a very good one. And then you have July 1st, IWGP title, Okada defending his title against Cody. So before we get to July 2nd, July 1st, what stands out to you? What annoys you? Uh, What do you like about this? Yeah. Here's the thing. I understand why people are disappointed. I totally get it. I know where you're going to go with this. and I totally get why you're going to go where you're going to go with this. This is going to be one hell of a card. Um, Now, your response is going to be, I know this is going to be a good wrestling show, but this is not authentic New Japan, and that's what I wanted out of this experience. Um, and I do agree with that to an extent. Um, I'm not as down on this as some people are. I'm, I'm The Billy Gunn Tanahashi thing, the next night, I'm very down on. That, but, that, yeah, full disclosure, while I'm upset that, you know, Cody's, they've built that up at least in some way, shape, or form. So Rich, I, I, I don't have a problem with that match. No, I don't even, yes. Yeah. No, I, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way with this July 1st show. When I saw the entire card, this July 1st show, this, if I went to the show knowing that I was coming to see New Japan Pro Wrestling in America, I'd be completely fine with this. This, I have no issue with July 1st. And, July 2nd, I have a then, ton of issues with. But. I apologize for putting words in your mouth then because yeah, we're yeah. on the same page with this show because when I saw the complete lineup, I was like, this is a hell of a show. No, this is this is this feels authentic New Japan. Even if the Cody, and even though it is Cody in the main event or whatever, yeah, that kind of irks me a little bit, but it makes sense within the story that they told. I think it's a little pander. I, I don't think they necessarily have to have Cody in the main event that's my issue is, is when I see Cody in the main event here, I'm thinking that they built the story of Cody throwing in the towel. And that entire story, they built that because they thought they had to have Cody in the main event of these G1 specials. Do you disagree or do you agree or disagree? I, I think if this was just a random Okada-Cody match that didn't have any kind of build, I'd be real annoyed. I think but would because... this be in, in any other universe, if this was, say they weren't going to Long Beach, say this was Kazuna, whatever it is. Oh, whatever, you the think next... they would have even done that angle? Right. I think they would have because I think that um, I think Cody. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think Cody would be in line for. Here's my here's my argument. I think that he's a placeholder defense for Okada after he's had this string of just you know wild defenses against top guys that he potentially could have lost to or whatnot. This seems like it's a match that'd be right up your alley because you love the placeholder title defense. I do, and, but. And well, it's and it's and it's not Cody though. That's the problem. It, it is Cody, but it's not out of left field. It's well built. He, like, it's like we discussed. I, the reason I don't have a major problem with it 
is he won the three singles matches to build to it, and they did the really cool angle during the Omega match. If they had done none of those things, I'd be annoyed because then I would say, look, they're just shoehorning him in here because he's Cody and it's bullshit and I don't want to see it. It sucks. But they've built to it, so I don't really have a problem with it. Um, I also think I am, I, I'm kind of morbidly curious if Okada can get a great match out of him um, because this is just it's, – it's right on the table for Cody here. He's a guy that talks a lot of shit. Um, he thinks he's better than he is. And to be fair, all athletes do, but this is a chance for him to really have the greatest match of his career. In many ways, Rich, I think this is the biggest match of his career. Um, did he ever have a WWE title match? Maybe when, maybe Orton had the title at some point and he faced him after the, but I don't remember if the legacy, you know what, if we don't remember it, it wasn't that big. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm trying to think in my head. I, I don't believe he did. He, he was kind of always, you know, IC title level or tag title level. Sure. And, um, you know, I think he'll be motivated. I think Okada is obviously, we've talked at length about the kind of year he's having. I think this is going to be a great match. I do. Something's telling me this is going to be a great match. And I, and I, they might, Cody might burn me. And I'll come on here and, and, and take the L. If Cody burns me, you, Rich, you know, I'll come on here if I'm still breathing. And if I'm, if I can keep my eyes open. I'll come on here and take the L, but I, I, I'll put my neck out. I think this is going to be a great match. I think Cody knows how important this is. It's his chance to talk a lot of shit if he delivers a, a, a big-time match-of-the-year-level match. And he's in there with a guy who can give him one. So, I mean, you know, I, I think it'll be a great match. And I look at the rest of this card, and if you're going to give me Mike Elgin versus Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii versus Tetsuya Naito, and then you're just going to throw in Grills of Destiny versus War Machine, which should be a lot of fun. And Juice Robinson versus Zack Sabre Jr., which I, I mean, God, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that match before. And, and Juice always steps up in these singles matches. And, uh, you know, and a lot of cool st- 